Whoop, wrong one. That is was not the song we're looking for. Hang on a freaking minute. Just just hit back a couple times. The first one, isn't it? Is it the uh, that's uh, no, that one's Connor McGregor. Connor McGregor. Fuck, man, I had that thing up. Damn it. One, one more. Oh, no. It's gone. No, it's not. No, it's not gone. Don't say that. Please don't say that. <laughs> there she is. In a merry month of June, from me home I started, left the girls at June, nearly broken hearted, salute to father dear, kiss me darling mother, drank a pint of beer, me grief and tears to smother, then off to reap the corn, leave where I was born, cut to stout black thorn, to banish ghosts and goblins, a brand new pair of brogues, rattling o'er the bogs, frightening all the dogs, on the rocky road to Dublin, one, two, three, four, five, hut the hair and turn her down the rocky road, all the way to Dublin, whack full only all right, fellas. It's St. Paddy's Day 2021. And uh, we got ourselves Arthur Lynch from Ireland and uh, Arian Messi Kamesi. Arthur, welcome back, buddy. How you doing? Gents, how are we? It's a pleasure. <laughs> All right, I'm technically back on because I think we recorded that 10 year recap episode it, you know yeah well uh, yeah i guess that was um leading from 2019 into 2020 but that's before the whole world changed my friend <laughs> it's yeah. it's been a hot minute cuz we've how many episodes have we done together arthur cuz i was on your podcast but i also dropped that podcast episode on king of lifts if i'm not mistaken yeah, I was thinking out loud about it there. So, yeah, you were on my podcast, the Nolif podcast, and then we did the 10-year uh, recap, which I think we released on the, both King of the Lifts and No Lift. Yeah, I think we did the first one. Did I draw? I think you even dropped the first one on King of Lifts as well. We've had a couple crossover episodes, my friend. Mm. Yeah, it's it's good. We get that uh, that cross pollination. <laughs> <laughs> and how are things going in Ireland in terms of uh, powerlifting scene and in general? Ooh, if you had said just yeah, they're both <laughs> not great to be honest. Ah. Powerlifting. The thing about it, it's like, it's so weird. It's like it doesn't exist right now. So with the way the restrictions are in Ireland, only elite sport is permitted to continue mm. so that's pretty much just rugby uh soccer and i think some olympic sports as well so for example uh the the gaa are our, our, our national uh, sports they can't play matches right now um powerlifting we can't hold meets or any other sport in that sub elite category we can't we can't uh, uh there's no competitions permitted at the moment so it's uh it's it's weird it's it's a it's you know all the cliches of oh it's a it's a strange time it's a challenging time yeah um, yeah but it really is is there a planned month for now for nationals no no shit eh? that's the same <laughs> as canada look at we're, we're locked up man we um in Ontario, Canada, we have 
like zero meets on the calendar all of like 2020 once the pandemic hit and ever since like we have zero um by the way anyone listening we're all rocking green right now and drinking and i got my my uh arthur lich we, we got we got an irish movie that i drinking though he pulled a fast one on us. I had a feeling you weren't drinking because we're setting this up. I kept mentioning, yeah, make sure you, you know, we'll get some drinks, whatever. And you were oddly silent. I'm like, I think I got an Irishman. <laughs> so can I, yeah, can I just interject here? I, I have to apologize because you got the worst person on to do this episode. You got someone who's got, who's sketchy on his Irish history. He doesn't drink. And like, I just, I, Listeners, I just apologize because I'm just boring and absolutely nothing noteworthy to talk about whatsoever. He's probably not even in, in Ireland right now. Who knows where he is? He, he literally has, <laughs> he, he comes on, he's got a Brooklyn accent. I'm like, what's going on here? What well, is one of the lads was, uh, was so I, to, I told one of the lads from the gym that um, that I was coming on King of the Lifts there last night to talk about this very topic. This is, you should troll him and put on a British accent. For the <laughs> we, you will be... <laughs> the thing is it'll hurt your feelings if we don't actually catch that it's a british accent or an irish accent if we don't even blink you're like sons of bitches they don't <laughs> yeah. even fucking know and that is the most offensive it's the fact that they didn't even catch on it took like a half hour but um but yeah nonetheless I me mean, yeah at least we got an irishman and we're doing uh we're doing a saint patty's day special i wanted to talk so i want previously i'd seen barband in terms of an Instagram account, but also a website. They got some good um, blogs going on, some good articles written. In terms of strength sports, man, there's not a lot of people actually writing articles. Tons of podcasts, tons of YouTubes or whatever like that. But in terms of actually writing articles, Barben's good, man. I don't know too many outs that are doing it. Not just like, here's how to improve your bench. Tons of that kind of stuff. I mean, actually articles that are writing about like write-ups or top five all-time bench pressers, strength athletes, whatever. And um, I've done it before and I want to do it again. They actually pulled up, they had an article saying like, who is the greatest multi-strength sport athlete? And um, I don't know if we're going to get to the bottom of who we think is the greatest, but I want to talk about some of the people that are on the list. And then we could discuss and maybe inch a little closer. Maybe we get some ideas and then we could talk about uh, some Irish athletes because it is St. Paddy's day. And then uh, we could just talk about some straight up famous Irish people. And then uh, we'll play a little game of overrated, underrated, but um, oh, let me take another drink of my, I was going to say, Ryan, you're drinking Average. green, but I don't know if you're technically wearing green dog. This is green. This is green. Come on, man. This is green. It's faded it, because it's it's been worn. It's a gym shirt, so it's been washed a cabillion times. But it, I got this at a strongman competition now. Is helping run as a volunteer, and it's old and it's beat up, but it's green. No, it's just bad lighting. Um, but uh, but anyways, all right. I digress. So um, did you actually have anybody? Did you have a list yourself with this or uh, Arian, or do you want me to rock and roll with this when we just discuss what I got? Which list do you want to start with? Do you want to start with Irish powerlifters? I want to start with, I'm thinking the multi-sport athletes, and then we get into the Irish. Can oh, I say something? Can I say something? The more I drink, the more Irish I get. Okay. The, the, well, I'll start with the overall idea of, I mean, one, you have to be a multi-sport athlete because, you know, people are going to complain, oh, you didn't put this person on the list. Well, yeah, if you won four Olympics, but you never did another sport, it doesn't count. 
Yeah. And then Thank two, you. it's like, then it's like two, it's like, how good are you in the two sports or maybe three sports, whatever sports you did. And then from there, I try to look and say, okay, maybe I need to put them into tiers because, you know, they're all elite level athletes. They're all elite multi-sport athletes, but there's different tiers to this based on their accomplishments. So I try to put like a bottom tier, a mid tier, and then the top, the best, Holy the best. Holy shit, dude. So try and like, you know, separate it. And what I noticed is the bar bend post with the three names. One of those was actually on my bottom tier. So I, I got a problem with who, who bar bend used. And there was a, the top tier person they didn't put on there. So I, I don't know how you want to get started. You want to do one each? Um, Cause Arthur, you don't have a list, right? You just want to chime in with ours. Yeah. I mean, the only one, I think you mentioned it before we, uh, or you mentioned him before we started recording, but the one that would spring to mind would be Mark Henry. Okay. Then let me kick off with Mark Henry because you dropped them right now and I'll dive into why Mark Henry is obviously on the top tier. And I would argue might be number one. So let me bring you back. First off, my man is from Texas, which has got a history of strength. You guys might know Russell or he, you might've heard of Ray Williams. Um, so he, he hails from Texas, six foot four, 400 pounds. And not only was he a two-time Olympic weightlifter, so he's a three-time U.S. national champion in 94, 95, and 96. In 1995, he was the Pan Am champion in Olympic weightlifting, and he's a two-time Olympian in both 92 and 96. But in that stretch between 92 and 96, he was also the USAPL nine, uh, USAPL 1995 and 1997 national champion. And in 1995, he won the World Drug-Free Powerlifting World Championships. Now, some people might be like, I know right now, a lot of people might not fully understand because it's there's the IPF in terms of drug tested and all the other federations are, don't really, aren't even close to on the map. So let me put some comparison to you. Him winning, and this is sandwiched in between being an Olympian. Now you think about how often in between two Olympics, we have somebody showing up at a world championships and powerlifting and winning world titles. It doesn't happen. I'm mad. And this not only because he's a super heavyweight Olympic weightlifter, he was in all the news. He's winning the Pan Am championships the same year. He won the Pan Am championships for Olympic weightlifting and is on all the talk shows on the cover of all the newspapers and magazines. He's also winning the powerlifting world championships. It was a huge deal. Big enough that obviously the WWE gives him a big contract. He's making millions and becomes, you know, a, a multimillionaire and, and world famous on top of that. But as the world drug-free powerlifting world champion, the same year that the IPF held their world championships, there was a guy named Ed Cohen lifting thousand kilo total, a guy named captain Kurt Kowalski lifting thousand kilo total. Their super heavyweight spinoff a 990 kilo total. That's happening at the IPF world championships. So the highest total they got is a thousand kilo total. Mark Henry did a thousand sixty kilo total raw with wraps. The IPF, you could do use whatever you wanted. And he was doing raw with just wraps and he hit a 1060. So he, his world title was a, a legit world title, despite it not being the IPF. Remember it was a different time where the IPF was only, you were, it was equipped. There was no like raw division, et cetera. Um, so some numbers off the top in terms of powerlifting, his squat 432.5 kilo, um, 
that's a 954 pound squat raw with wraps, which held until 2010. It says on the Wikipedia, I'm not pulling it up, but um, so if you do the math there, I mean, we're talking a 15 year record in a time and era where records fall every six months. My man's record was standing for 15 years deadlift 410 kilo. That's 93 pounds done in 1995. That also stood until 2010. And in terms of the tested, it still stands. Arian, is there anybody in the tested fed who's pulling more than 10, uh, 410? I don't think so. No, because um, uh, like you said, back then the IPF was only like, you know, single ply. So those guys were getting to, you know, 400 kilo pull. Some got to like, you know, 410 or 417.5 kilo pull. But sometimes also people, you know, fail their drug test afterwards. And then once they brought the raw lifting, you know, the raw was at like 365 kilos for a while, like 800 pound deadlift. And then Brad Gillingham and Ray Williams were the ones who really pushed up higher. Ray, I think is at like 398.5 kilos raw pull, something like just below 400. So yeah, I mean, this is, is still up there. If it, it, it says um, all-time world record deadlift, but it might still be, you know, for fully tested across yeah. every federation, it might still be number one. And this is, if you think about, like we are, again, we live in an era where world records fall every six months. So we're talking about a guy in 1995, this is way back, and his records still stand to today. And it's, we, we talk about in powerlifting, how do you remember five years ago what some of the world records were? And now they're getting smashed by juniors, two weight classes below. Well, here's a guy who 95, man, we're talking 25, 26 years ago and his records are still standing now. Now that's what he did in powerlifting in between his two Olympic runs and Olympic weightlifting. And look at the top 10 Olympic weightlifters in the world and look at the top 10 powerlifters in the world. No, 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 no. Let's blow it up a little more. Look at the top 25 Olympic weightlifters in the world. Look at the top 25 powerlifters in the world. Tell me how many men are on both lists. I'll wait. It's fucking none, bro. It doesn't happen. The fact that he's doing this in between two different Olympic runs, winning the Pan Ams, three-time U.S. national champion in Olympic weightlifting, and also the premier powerlifter with records that still stand to today is ridiculous. Now let's bring it into his strongman feats. So he's already famous, signs with the WWE, and they're billing him in WWE as the world's strongest man. That's his niche. And people are watching this, especially for real professional strongmen who are competing in the sport of strongman. And they're like, you guys got a guy named Mark Henry. He's a professional wrestler. I get it. He was the world's number one powerlifter. I get it. He was a two-time Olympian. But that was in the 90s, in the mid-90s. Now we're in the early 2000s. My man can't still keep rocking and rolling with the world's strongest man title. And I'm the world's strongest man. So the Arnold Classic at the time did not have a strongman competition. And they got together and said, we're going to end this dispute. So they came up with the world's or Arnold Classic strongman. And all of the events they're going to choose were not the dragon carries, et cetera, is going to be a lot more focused on pure, unadulterated strength, right? The static holds, the pressing, the pulling, et cetera. So they put it together in the very first ever, 2002, is the Arnold Classic Strongman. And among the strongmen that competed was the reigning World's Strongest Man winner, Sven Carlson. Uh, Mark Philippi, which was America's Strongest Man, and also himself had won the World Drug-Free Powerlifting Federation world title the following year after Mark left. 
Um, there was also Andy Bolton, who broke Mart's deadlift record and was a three-time world champion in untested powerlifting. Uh, Bergmanis, third at World's Strongest Man in twenty in two thousand two, which was the same year this is held. Brad Gillingham and uh, also Phil Fister. Hopefully, I don't butcher his last name. Also, world one World's Strongest Man. So. These are the best of the best. In terms of the strongest men, you had the reigning world strongest man, you had previous world strongest man, you had future world strong man, you had powerlifting champions. All of them showed up for the strongman competition and Mark Henry won, took, taking on the world's best. So he climbed to the top of powerlifting, uh, the top of strongman, defeating the reigning st world strongest man winner. And then in Olympic lifting, he did not win a world title. He did not win an Olympic title, but he was three-time U.S. national champion, Pan Am champion, two-time Olympian, and certainly certainly made his mark. That's for sure. He's no bum. I would argue, we're not done our list, but I would argue he has to be in the conversation. What say you fellas? I'm sure you're familiar with this gentleman. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's why I have him in my top tier, and that's why I was surprised that in the Instagram photo, that bar band did not put him in there because yeah, he, he was, you know, good across multiple sports and not only just good, but he won titles, podium and everything like that across multiple sports. He started out in Texas high school, powerlifting, winning there back then. Like you said, things were different. IPF USPF was the USA affiliate and ADFPA USAPL was not. So like in 95, he had to go to that world drug free powerlifting because they were not associated with the IPF. Um, but that was also like, you know, when they were still transitioning towards drug testing and USPF did not want to do drug testing. So actually back then, probably ADFPA and WFPF um, was more about drug testing. And that's why USPF lost their IPF affiliate and eventually USAPL took over. So he won that nationals. He won that world. He took out Brad killing Brad Gillingham, who was the IPF champion. And then, yeah, then he also has the strongman Arnold classic. Apparently he was the first person to do one of the events, the unliftable, dumbbell or something like that so he he's done all these feats that like you know no one else has done or the first person to do it and everything like that and so if he hadn't gone to professional wrestling to go get make you know millions of dollars and he had stuck around with weightlifting or powerlifting or strongman who knows how many more titles he would have racked up how many more records he would have racked up and who knows maybe depending on his age and stuff he would have beat some of these other top level strongman or powerlifters from these other sports uh, from these other generations as they were coming in and you know he would have been the most decorated person but went after the money which is a smart move would he still be i remember reading an article back in the day saying who is the the strongest human of all time and um, bill kasmar was asked and like a bunch of this article was like 15 years ago but a lot of people in the strength world were asked and Bill Kazimar is actually on this list. We're going to talk about him later, but they all said it's got to be Mark Henry. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw articles. I mean, there's plenty of articles about him, but even like in 2012, I think it was called flex magazine magazine. He made second strongest man ever in history. So definitely up there. Who's number one. I don't know. I didn't look it up. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. What do you think, Arthur? Well, I just know that the, like the story of him at the first Arnold's is quite interesting in so far as, so that, that whole, that whole story in and of itself is interesting of how, how the Arnold classic strongman uh, came about and how, how difficult it was to, to establish. But uh, Mark Henry was at the time uh, kind of taking a break from wrestling, I think. 
and yeah. then there was the suggestion that he could compete at this this strongman event and i think the powers that be at wrestling kind of said yeah go for it but you have to win it because <laughs> you're the guy who's claiming to be the strongest wrestler and if you don't win this strongman competition i don't think you can continue to to roll with that so it, it was kind of a um there was there was a bit on the line for him there and not only that then but like when he got there so for example with the 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 event with the the apple wheels so the so picture like a, an axle bar and two big wheels on the end of it and one of the defining features of it was that as you'd clean it the wheels didn't rotate mm. it was fixed and all the other competitors just couldn't do it. Like some of them could clean it, but they just couldn't get it overhead. Mark Henry absolutely ragdolled that thing. It's incredible. Like there's videos of it on YouTube and it's it's just the apparent ease at which he lifted is yeah. amazing. It, it's one of those moments where you're like, um, like we have the world's the best of the best in this sport. And here comes a guy that just like, Oh, okay. There's levels to this. That is look, you're right. In terms of WWE was his payday. That was how he was making his money. And it was a lot of money and world fame and for him to risk it all. And I remember reading about it and you're right in that, you know, Vince McMahon's like, we are billing you as the world's strongest man. If you do this, this is real. This isn't choreographed like our wrestling matches. You can lose this. Not only can you lose this, you could come in last out of these guys. Now, I get it. It's last to the best in the world. I, get, I went through the resumes, and that was a spot check on their resumes. If you Google each one of those men I just said, they have a crazy resume beyond what I just gave. But um, So he could lose. And if it looked bad, and more than bad, you could scratch at events. I mean, he's not a strong man per se. They were flipping a Hummer. They were doing crazy things. So if he scratched on an event or just certain things didn't go his way and he ended up middle of the pack or on the bottom half and you're already on the fence with pro wrestling because some injuries are stacking up, that would have been it. It's all—it's honestly like sets up like a Rocky style movie where it's like, I am going all in. My credibility is being questioned in the strength world that I no longer have it. The door is closing on my, on my wrestling career and I haven't been wrestling for a little bit. I am pushing all of my chips to the center of the table. And this either works and I'm the guy I'm pretending to be. I'm the guy I'm telling everybody that I am, that I'm the strongest man in the world, or I'm not, but we're going to find out. And it's, it was one hell of a gamble, but holy shit in turn, in terms of paying off a legend was, was made right there. Um, and that's, you're right. The story's phenomenal. And then after that, for there on out, whenever somebody like a couple of years later would be like, bring out Mark Henry, let's do this. Vince McMahon's like, my man proved himself. We're good. We're not going <laughs> to do this every year. Like, like the, he's making millions, right? Like we're the, you know, you had your shot. Don't come back every few years and be like, I'm going to try it. Let's challenge him. It's like, nah. Yeah, I looked, I looked up who number one is on that list, and it's Zadrunas Savickas, which for his specific sport, obviously, he's one of the strongest, if not the strongest person ever. But we're here, we're talking about multi-sport, so you have to take him out, which then makes you know Mark Henry, as far as multi-sport, possibly, or most likely, the strongest man ever in history. S strength is a tough thing to do in terms of who's strongest, because 
if it's just like, if you're saying straight up static strength, um, you know, maybe, whereas if you're like multifunctional across a variety of different testing methods, you know, but you, if you go too far, you'll end up in fucking CrossFit and adding guys from CrossFit and, um, I'll be, I'll be fucking damned, sir. If, can I say something? If either of you two have a CrossFitter on your list, <laughs> well, ah, well, no, you know, I would entertain it. Honestly, I would entertain. They, they are strong. I joke, but um, in terms of strongest of all time, that's different. But yeah, um, you get the point. But yeah, man, the fact Mark Henry wasn't on that list, it ruffled some feathers, um, and some people were commenting on it. However, sometimes you, le- if you want, hey, look at here's a little, here's a little, little trick. King of Lifts has played too. <laughs> if you want traction, sometimes. If, you purposely leave someone that could be on the list off and you will get like a hundred comments tagging that person and talking about it. Or if your list is super comprehensive and you said everything that needed to be said, and there's not much room to argue it, you won't get any arguing in the comments and you get like four, you'll get like four comments saying agreed. And that's it. (laughs) I'm not saying I do it often, but every now and then I might purposely be like i'm okay if someone's like you know you left so-and-so off the list you could redo it right now or i could just leave it and let's Uh-oh. just see other people jump up arthur do you do that for the no lifts podcast he's no, too, good of, he's too good of a guy he's <laughs> straight shooter man he's a no marketing guy. strategy look at look at i'm the guy who showed up with a fucking drink in his hand five minutes late arthur was you know this we're different he's got a collared shirt on he's he's dead sober we're different we're cut from different I, 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 I can I can understand some people not knowing who he is or keeping him off the list because while he did make the Olympics, he didn't win or podium. He got like, you know, 10th one year, 14th one year. So, you know, it's fairly low. And then all his, you know, powerlifting and strongman accomplishments, most of them were, you know, 90s in powerlifting and then the early 2000, 2002 for strongman. And then since then, he's been, you know, WWE. So, you know, people don't know about him or they forgot about him. So I can understand that, like, you know, he may be off the list versus like, you know, they had Mikhail Kokoliov on that list who happens to be a little bit newer and people know him from the last, you know, 10 years. Let me say, let me give you a little pushback. Okay. Let me give you a little pushback. I know you're ready for it. Um, dig your heels in. Cause it's more of a show. <laughs> um, I got you. It's been a hot minute, but the man's records lasted like 25 years. It's a bit of, it's a pretty big omission. True. It was 95 but it was like 15 years later, his record stood like, it was like, uh, he was the number one powerlifter in the world, like hands down. And he was, you know, the, he beat the best of the best and strongman in their sport as a one-off just to see how we could do. Like, I don't know. It's a pretty big omission, but you're right. Like whatever it is, what it is. I'm not fussed. And, and I'm not taking shots of barbed. They do a phenomenal job. Um, but anyways, let's, let's move on gentlemen. Who else do you have on your list? I got, um, do you want to go next area do you, or do you want me to go and uh, I'll throw it quick in there. Yeah. Like, I, like I said, I had Mark Henry as my top tier. So that's why I was surprised that it wasn't on there. And then, as I just mentioned, they had Mikhail Kokleov on there and I had Mikhail Kokleov on my bottom tier. Cause while he is good at multiple sports and he's done very well, like, you know, elite level, but he never won like in any of the sports, he never accomplished what like Mark Henry and some of these other people have. Like in in strongman, he was never able to win. You know, in powerlifting, it depends on what competitions he did. He was never ever to, ever winning. So you know, like world strongest man, he got third in 2010, and then his next best was like 10th place. And for strongman classic at the Arnold, third place, fifth place, second place. So while again, he's good. We're not saying he sucks. 
We're just saying from the elite elite, the people, multi-sport athletes, I put him in the bottom tier because he was never able to get the gold medal in any of those sports at like, you know, the highest level world championship Olympics, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Essentially. So I said like he would win, but what we're looking for is, was he ever number one in the world at any point in any given sport? If you're going to be top tier for me, correct me if I'm wrong, Arthur, how do you feel about this? This is the way I'm looking at it. When I'm bringing up my list, these are the, these are the reasons why people made my list. At least for one of the strength sports, you were number one in the world at some point. I respect, and I agree with Arian on this, if we're tiering this, a gentleman like him or a lady that falls into his comparison, if you were number three in one sport, number three in another, that's fucking difficult. And I, amazing. That's great. I, because like, again, like I said, look at the top 10 for powerlifters, the top 10 for strongmen, the top 10 for Olympic lifters. How many of them are the same names? It's, it's, you know, it's very rare. So if you're on that list somewhere, okay, you're probably on the list, but we do have people in history that have been number one in one of the sports and ranked in another. Some of them like Mark Henry was number one in strongman and number one in powerlifting and then ranked elsewhere in Olympic lifting, which is crazy. Um, I do have people on the list that made that kind of cut and there's other strength sports. Like I, I I'm, I'm discus hammer throw shot, put Highland games. That's that counts in my book. And I got some people on the list that we're going to talk about, but um, I agree with you, Arian. Arthur, what do you, what is your take? Well, I was just going to, to, to piggyback off that. I mean, for your criteria, how many sports does there need to be? So for example, I'm just thinking, for example, when, when uh, when Haftor was throwing his hand in the ring of, of powerlifting um, and he's already established himself in strongman, like, does that count? Or like, then when you bring it back to someone like Mark Henry, who's done it in uh, weightlifting, powerlifting, maybe you could count the wrestling as well, but also strongman. So there's three where he's been on top of. What I consider, because I did look at Thor, I said... Thor marks the minimum requirements where he did do two sports because he did do a couple of powerful meets, but I thought his accomplishments weren't enough to be in any of my tiers. So I, I considered him. I went and looked at his resume. I just didn't put him as high as up as these other people. I, that's where I would say is um, I would agree where in one sport, absolutely killer. I think what Arthur's point is, and he makes a good one. What if you were like absolutely killing it in one sport dabble in another good enough to be among the elite when you dabbled in it, even if it's a one-off or two-off, but he didn't really make his mark in powerlifting nor to be totally honest, his numbers weren't like he, he couldn't become number one or he wasn't winning any major tournaments or, or things like that. Whereas um, maybe let's carry on on my, uh, we'll carry on the list and you'll see the trend what I'm talking about. Uh, do you want to go next Arian, or do you want me to go next? Cause no, my, my next one's a banger. Mine was Mikhail Kokolov, bottom tier, you're up. Okay, so here's what I mean. And this is really going to set the tone. So you heard Mark Henry. Now let's talk about Chen Weiling from Taiwan. As Olympic weightlifter, the 2008 Olympic gold medalist, and this is the Olympics, as well as 2004 Olympian, and in powerlifting, an 11-time world champion, winning both in equipped and raw and a world games champion in 2009, 2013 silver medalist, 2017 bronze medalist. Yes. The spread we're talking is like 10 years owns the squat world record to, still to this day, which was 
set in 2015. So in an era where records are falling all the time, a record is still standing from 2015. The world total record from 2015 still stands in the 47 kilo class at 407.5 kilo. And um, for my money, if somebody wanted to raise their hand and say, if anyone's going to bump Mark Henry, I think uh, Wei Ling would be the one to do it. Because when you think about Olympic sports, if you want to talk about the depth of competition, governments throw all of their money in the pile for Olympic sports. And you have governments that will pull all stops to get gold medals in Olympic sports. Look at what China, Russia, America, what they will do when they push their Olympians. And Olympic, Olympic weightlifting is not exactly a sport that's not known. We're not talking water polo here or water rafting or whatever the hell Olympic. This is a major Olympic sport. And she won Olympic gold medal as a two-time Olympian. And then on top of that, to win 11 IPF world championships in and out of equipment, raw and equipped, including the world games over a stretch of over 10 years. So it's not even like she's a one-off. Mark Henry, he had his spot in the mid-90s, came back for an amazing story in 2002. Um, but she had it a longer stretch of dominance where she never really left the game and did it on so many different facets. Um, I know it's just two different sports, but the fact that powerlifting was both equipped and unequipped, you know, and her record still stands. It's a... Uh, if someone wanted to bump Mark Henry, I would be okay with her doing it. Um, and that is what I'm talking about. When we talk half Thor, amazing at one sport, dabbled in the other. This young lady was not dabbling in shit. She was all in. At the same time as being an, an Olympic world champion, she could dabble in powerlifting. Same with Mark Henry. Um, I mean, he wasn't dabbling in either. He was all in. Arian, Arthur, what are your guys' thoughts? Uh, Arian, do you want to go first and then Arthur? Sure, I'll, I'll go first. I, I wouldn't say uh, that she bumps him out. I, I put also Chen Wei Ling in my top tier. So I consider in there. And, and similar, I think Arthur and everyone will see the trend is that it's really hard to be, you know, world champion or Olympic champion across multiple sports. But, you know, Mark Henry had the powerlifting world championships. Uh, he had the strongman Arnold strongman. Okay. Championship. And then he made it to Olympics, but he didn't win on the flip side. Uh, Chen Wei Ling has the powerlifting championships, multiple raw equipped world games. So she has more accomplishments there than Mark. Then she also has the Olympics where she got 11th place in 2004. And initially in 2008, she got third place first and second failure drug test. She moved out the first. So even if you don't consider her as gold and you say, Oh, she was changing. Well, she still got bronze. So she still did better than Mark in the in Olympic weightlifting. So she beats him there as well. The only thing she has is she doesn't have another sport. She doesn't have strongman like uh, Mark has. But I still I just put them both in the top tier because she has the Olympic gold and she has the powerlifting gold. Versus Mark has you know the powerlifting gold, the Arnold strongman gold, and then he's been to Olympics. And one could argue that I mean, due to her her size, like she just doesn't have as like she can't do strong woman. Uh, she can't, there, there, I mean, there probably is some other strength sports for her, but when you're 47 kilo, she probably took the two strength sports she could and kicked the shit out of them. She, she's listed yeah, as four, as four feet, 10 inches, 104 pound, right. uh, class 47 kilo class. And also 
is uh, she won that 2008 Olympics when she was 26. She won the world games when she's 27. So for Olympic weightlifting, you know, that's kind of later at 26, that's coming to the end of uh, weightlifting. And obviously she powerlifted into, you know, masters one in her forties. And then now she hasn't competed in the past couple of years. So it could also be that just happened to be the time she got into strength sports could have been later. And so she lost out on some of those opportunities. Sure. But at her size, there's not a whole lot of other sports besides powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting, but that gold medal in the Olympics is really hard to, to for one singular, um, you know, accomplishment. What are you thinking, Arthur? Well, something that Arian said there is, is quite interesting. So what I'm thinking in relation to this is like, if you're going to be a successful multi-sport strength athlete, you, you would have to start, you know, if, if weightlifting is, is in the sports that you're doing there, that has to come first, I would say, because it's mo- it would be much more difficult to say, do powerlifting for 10 years and then say, oh, I'm going to try out Olympic weightlifting. Like, like virtually no one does that well. So to me, I think the trajectory has to be weightlifting, other sports. And then if there's a third one, then in the yeah. case of Mark Henry, and, and I believe for Chen Wei Ling, that's how it is. Like powerlifting was almost like a secondary thing for her. So the two, two Olympics she went to, she was 22 and, and uh, 22 and 26. And then that's when she really more transitioned towards powerlifting. So I think her focus was, you know, weightlifting, going to Olympic and stuff like that and did powerlifting on the side and said like, Hey, I'm pretty good at this. And I, for what I've heard is her training was still, you know, kind of weightlifting style where they train all the time and stuff like that and use, you know, the weightlifting blocks and, and everything like that. So you can go see videos on YouTube of her with the jerk blocks and she's just walking out her squats out of that. She doesn't have an actual like, you know, combo rack or anything. And I do remember, I believe I said on this podcast, the story of her from 2015 IPF Worlds in Finland, where she competed, she won the classic world powerlifting championship. And the next day she was in the warm room with her team and she was in her Crocs doing RDLs as her training session for the next day. She was already starting her next cycle because- Jesus whatever. She just did an easy day. She won a world championship and just start training again. And, and let, let, listen, it wasn't like she just got lucky in 2015 because not many tough competitions showed up. Those records, her total still stands today. Okay. So that's all time. Anybody you wanted in history or afterwards could have showed up and like she, nobody's done better at the international level. Um, she's a monster. Isn't it amazing though? Like how success leaves clues and like how relentless the elite athletes are like the, the 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 example i'm thinking of here is after the epic hack versus gibbs battle and the very next day i was floating around the the venue because of course at the time that, that was the first worlds i had been to so i was like a kid in a candy store same buddy like, same oh. it was my first worlds yeah it was it was incredible so i was like oh my god I've got FOMO here. I, I, I just want to go everywhere. And, and at one point I, I wandered into the, not the warm up area, but the training area. And who was in there? John Hack. John Hack. Yeah. But the next day after like the, like imagine the come down you'd have after a, a meet like that. And he's back in there busting his balls the next day. I think he was going for like a PR bench. Dude. <laughs> I, re- I, I, you know, it's funny. You said that I remember to this day and I thought about it not too long ago. I remember him posting about that saying um, training for us raw national starts right now. And it was the next day that post went up and he was benching. 
you saw that him in real life doing that post. I remember just seeing the post being like, this guy's a fucking monster. He woke up the next, he must have celebrated. He won the world championships. And he didn't just win the world championships. He won the world championships in the biggest showdown I'd ever seen. I've done every world since, and I haven't seen a showdown that hyped. It was crazy. And he, he, he I mean, standing remotely. But most people you watch, if you have friends or family in that weight class, everybody from all the weight classes came back to the venue. Most people are traveling and doing whatever the shit, right? Everyone came back to the venue when they were showing down. And for the first time ever, we did a pre-show. We're like six pack. We're going to do a fucking intro with you hyping this up. Tell us why this is special because you've been saying all week, this was special. And they came in with the camera on me. And I said, you know, it, this is our Ali Frazier. This is our Sampras Agassi. This is our, you know, this is a big deal and told them why. And um, yeah, it was so hyped. So, you know, like even if he didn't go out partying and he, and he drinks, he does his damn thing. So just like you said, the adrenaline coming out of your body and everything, waking up the next day and be like, got a, I got us nationals now. And he fucking goes and goes and starts smashing some bench. Damn it, man. That's why John Hack is John Hack. And I'm behind the mic. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, he's different. As the kids say, he's different. Uh, Bless him. But yeah. um, So it's interesting, Arthur. I want to ask you. So if we were looking at the hierarchy of accomplishments, and I'm not saying I disagree with you. I don't know if I agree with you, but I don't know if I disagree with you. That Olympics is number one. First off, let me ask you why you think Olympics has to be number one in terms of all accomplishments and strength, strength, strength sports. If someone says, hey, look at me, I got an Olympic gold medal. That has to trump. If we're, if this, if we're all playing a game of poker right now and all of the people we're saying on this list are at the poker table, Mark Henry and all the people, let's not spoil it, are at this table. And that's the fucking big Trump card. And you think Olympic gold medal is the one that beats every other card you could put throw on the table. I want to know A, why, B, did she just bump Mark Henry on your list? No. So first off, that's not even something I considered that like weightlifting is the only one that can say we have a potential Olympic medalist here. Uh, no, what I mean is in terms of an, a strength athlete's career, if you're going to be a successful multi-strength sport athlete, um, just because I think I think the window of opportunity for weightlifting is so much narrower, I think that you would you would have to start there. if if weightlifting is going to be one of the multi-sport or multi-strength sports that um, you're involved in. I think it would have to come first. Oh, you meant chronologically. Up. You weren't yeah, saying. In, I don't think priority. Can, Got you. Okay, well, let's let's have that thing at twenty nine and and then get to the Olympics. You know, <laughs> I agree with you. Although the Mark Henry story is phenomenal, he most people have to do Olympic weightlifting very young because just the way it's a, the dynamic sport. Mark Henry picked it up and within like eighteen months was in the Olympics. That's how special he was because he would literally power the bar overhead. So yeah, his Olympic weightlifting numbers and placing at the Olympics wasn't great, but he was literally like you took Zavikas and just said, figure it out. And within a year and a half, he's going to the Olympics. He's the American champion, the Pan Am champion, and he's uh, within earshot of top 10 in the world. So in that sport, which is still like, that's why if you put in perspective that about Mark Henry, that he just like literally 
never did a snatch or a clean and jerk. It's like, let me try this. I squat and I'm strong. And oh, I guess I'm going to the fucking Olympics and I'm top 10 in the world. That's insane. But so you make, you do make a good point that it's probably coming first, but let's prioritize this for a second, which is going to help us prioritize our list. Was I right in saying that though? We're all poker players at the table. These are all poker players at the table. Someone has a trump card. Is that Olympic gold medal a trump card? Or do you think, no, world's strongest man is because it's more diverse, et cetera? Is that I mean, something we could talk about? Like, you can, you can get into a messy discussion here because then you're like, okay, who's I'm the I'm getting messy guy? right now, buddy. St. Yeah. Paddy's Day. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're <laughs> the social lubricant is kicking in. Mm. But uh, the, uh, the, the thing is like, you know, who's, who's, you know, who's better, the weightlifter or the powerlifter? It's, 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 it's a messy conversation that doesn't really lead anywhere. But um, so I'll put it to you this way. It's probably, there's probably fewer uh, successful powerlifter to weightlifters than there are weightlifter to powerlifters, if that makes any sense at all. No, it does. And I think it kind of echoes what you said earlier about I mean, that's also going to come down to time. Um, you spend too much time in powerlifting. Like you got to hit Olympic weightlifting when you're younger and fast and explosive. Um, Arian, what, what was your thoughts on that? I, I, I think that correlates or someone proves the point is that if you have a sport like weightlifting or let's say gymnastics, and when you look at the Olympics, how young they are and they only get, you know, two or three Olympics in them before they have to retire the next person beats you because one, it's so competitive and two, because it's so competitive, they push their bodies so hard and get beat up that, you know, then they become injured wherever and the next person replaces you. That, that also shows that you have to start it earlier in your career and that it's, it's a bigger achievement if you can win the Olympic gold. Whereas in strongman, you could possibly still be doing strongman in your 30s and in powerlifting, you can still be, you know, in your 40s or maybe even in your 50s and still compete with the open lifters because there's less depth, there's less competitiveness. It doesn't destroy your body as much. You can do it more long-term. So that's why for my list, I did somewhat prioritize whether these people won Olympic gold medals or made the Olympics. And then and the next, I think I prioritized a little bit, you know, uh, strongman championships and then also then threw in the powerlifting championships. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I uh, It's a good discussion. I don't want to take too much time on this. It does have to be addressed a little bit like we are because we are talking about multi-strength and you need somewhat of a, you know, prioritization on it. But for sure, strongman has a lot of injuries, but they, you're right. They do seem to last, but strongman has horrific injuries, although they use whatever PEDs they want. So they bounce back from them sometimes, but there are stories it's tough. It's tough. And strongly really does try to cover all bases in terms of athletic ability while being strong. I don't know. I could be, I don't want to spend over a lot of time. I think we all said our piece there, but how about the second part of that question, Arthur? Um, do you think Chen Weiling bumped Mark Henry so far? Hmm. I mean, if you would value the fact that Mark Henry did did it in more more sports then you would say he's on top but if you on the flip side said that Chen Wei Ling was more successful in her chosen sports in weightlifting and powerlifting then you'd say that she comes out on top so I don't yeah. know See, I'm, I'm, I'm used to discussions of who's the best powerlifter and you just hope <laughs> open powerlifting in the discussion <laughs> yeah that's it buddy it's too More easy <laughs> listen i got liquid i got liquid courage in me 
I'm going to throw my flag down. I'll say I'm sticking with Mark, but if someone was to give me a lot of resistance with Chang Wai Ling, I would not offer a lot of resistance back. I could be talked into it because of that Olympic gold medal. But um, Mark Henry's three sports, and he was at the top of it. Um, so, and in terms of strength sports, world's strongest man is, you know, what they do just as a whole. I get it. Ching Wai Ling pound for pound, but there's something about the absolute strength factor that still, where we're talking strength, there's nothing like saying, all right, fuck weight classes, fuck everything. I don't even need a barbell, throw a Hummer in front of me. I'm going to ragdoll it. Strap me to a Boeing 747. I'm going to pull it. There's something about, oh my gosh, that's a tough one to beat. And, um, and that's Mark, right? And then like the story you said about the, the uh, cleaning and jerking the Apollon wheels, was it? Yeah. Um, like stories like that, where it's like, I don't know, it's a tough one for me to beat. That's the inner child of me where it's almost like a superhero talk where, so that's why, but you know. The other thing as well is like that, that first Arnold Classic Strongman is a really interesting story in this broader discussion of multi-strength sport athletes. Let's talk about it. He was up against, you know, guys like Brad Gillingham and uh, was it Phil Fister was the current yes, Phil Fister or oh, no well Sven Carlson was the current Phil Fister later oh. on won it so you had current and future um, world strongest man yeah and there was I think there was another powerlift oh Andy Bolton yeah. Andy Bolton Brad Gillingham they, look they brought the best in, in strength sports and that's what I mean so so many of the best of the different strength sports and Mark Henry came out on top it's insane that's what and, and they actually pulled a uh, a strength aficionado to, de- to design the events. And they told him we want it strong, man, but we don't want it like world strongest man where we're pulling big planes and not too many dragon carries or loading the back of a truck with sandbags. We want straight strength, not just show, but test their strength, grip strength, pulling, pushing, um, not so much the dragon carries for time. And that's what we want to focus on is more strength orientated. And, um, and the guy that they went to, I'm, I'm forgetting his name, but uh, he's like, I got you. And that's why ever since, the, even to this day now, this is almost 20 years later, Arnold Classic in Ohio, to, to some strongman aficionado say, that's a harder tournament and more an indication of who the world's strongest man is than the world's strongest man actual tournament because of that exactly. You have guys like Marius Pudzinowski, who won like four or five world's strongest man competitions. And he was super athletic, 320 pounds with abs, but he was not even close to as strong as like an Eddie Hall or a half Thor that's a hundred pounds heavier. And he would never sniff an Arnold classic strongman title because he was strong with like dragging and carrying and back loading and stuff like that. But never in terms like loading the back of trucks and stuff like that, what they do but not in terms of like the one rep strength. He could rep out 700 pounds on the deadlift for reps and out rep certain guys. But Arnold Classic was like, we don't care about that. We want the one rep max strength. So they focused even that if there's a deadlift event, it's not for reps. I understand going to failure is funner to watch. We don't care. I want the strongest. And um, to your point, the Arnold Classic was devised purely for that. And then they said, so having said that, we want the current world's strongest man and a couple of the contenders, which ended up being world's strongest man later on, but also power lifters and whoever else 
comes to comes to mind when we think about this. That's what made that victory so so important. And um, and yeah, and that tournament and any of that tournament wins when I think about it. So it's it's a tough one, man. I'm for me, I'm still saying Mark Henry, but uh, there you go. What do you think, Arian? Am I crazy? It's definitely a tough one. That's why I took the easy way out and I made them just both in the top tier rather than, rather than choosing. And yeah, it's hard to say because you can make arguments for either one because you can say, well, uh, Chen Wei Ling did more in Olympics in Olympic weightlifting and she's done more in powerlifting with, you know, the world games, but then people have like, you know, the idea of the, like you said, the Arnold classic, uh, strongman where he beat out, like you said, Sven Carlson, Phil Fister, Mark Filippi, Andy Bull and Brad Gillingham. And then also people see that absolute strength. They can say, well, how many 47 kilo powerlifters or how many 48 kilo weightlifters are there that, you know, Chen Wei Ling is beating versus how many super heavyweights is Mark Henry beating when there's so many super heavyweights in powerlifting, but also in strongman where, you know, basically the, the, the division everyone focuses on is the super heavyweight. So he went with the prime strongman division, beat them all. He went with where a lot of people look for powerlifting beat them all. He has the weightlifting in there as well. When he was like, you know, 20 years old, he wins, you know, us junior weightlifting uh, nationals. He goes for Olympics when he's like in his early twenties, doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Some of the pictures, some of the pictures, he's got some good flexibility in the bottom of that snatch. I wonder if these other strong men, like Zidrunas the biggest could get down into a snatch like oh, that. So I can see the arguments for, for, for both sides. And that's why I just put him in a top tier. I do know that Matt Gary says he thinks Chen Wei Ling is the greatest strength athlete of all time. So he, he goes on a limb. He puts his flag down, Chen Wei Ling. Well, and, and he knows the shit. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to argue very often against Matt Gary. So it is a, a point of contention. All right, let's move on, fellas. I want to bring it back to, uh, well, actually, do you want to go first? Because I'm about to go. I have three, I have three gentlemen who were world's strongest men in the 80s. If you know what I'm talking about, leave them off your list and let me address them because their stories are intertwined and you can't tell one with the other, well, the other. So I don't want to break them up. So as long as you don't touch any of those gentlemen who won world's strongest man in the eighties <laughs> multiple times, and you'll know who I'm talking about. They're probably on your list. Then let me take them. Um, if you want to go next and then I'll go. All right. I think I have one of them in my middle tier, but oh. I will go with another person in my middle tier because I know you won't say them. They were a couple of the comments on the Barben Instagram post. This person's name came up. So I said, let me go look into why are they putting putting this person on there? And it's Tia Claire Toomey. So people were mentioning her because she's a multi-time CrossFit champion. So I knew, Ryan, you're not going to have her on her list, but she also did Olympic weightlifting. So I know people had said that she, she should be one of the best of all time. I didn't put her in my top tier. I put her in my mid tier because she won the CrossFit games in 2017, 18, 19, and 20. Jesus. And then also for uh, Olympic weightlifting for Australia, she won the gold at the Commonwealth. She oh, went wow. to the Olympics and she got 14th place in the Olympics. So she has the two sports, CrossFit and Olympics. She won the Commonwealth in the Olympics uh, in weightlifting. She got 14th place. So similar to Mark Henry, you know, 10th, 14th place, just didn't get into, you know, top five or top three, but also she has multiple years as CrossFit champion. So I put her in my middle tier. Um, well, first off, that sounds appropriate. Let me say this. Let me also say, cause you, neither you guys are in this, but like Canada is part of the Commonwealth and, um, the Commonwealth is a lot of nations. So, like some people don't, if you're not, some people might not pay attention to it. It's not as big a, a, 
a games is the Olympics, obviously, or, you know, whatever Pan Am's, um, I don't know how big Pan Am's is, how, how much people care about that in Europe, but essentially the Pan Am games in powerlifting, the Pan Am championships doesn't hold a lot of weight in like track and field and Olympic sports. The Pan Am championships is literally half the world. It, it's half the world. If you're in some of these sports like track and field, you're talking the U.S., you're talking um, Canada, you're talking right down to Jamaica and like the whole half of the world. So if you win the Pan Am Championships in certain sports, it's massive. So we're on a powerlifting podcast and certain things get lost. And I don't want this to get lost. And I'm about to mention some people who also win Pan Am Championships and um, Commonwealth Games. And we're not talking powerlifting. So please, when we say Pan Am Games... It's fucking huge. Uh, Toronto hosted the Pan Am Games in 2015. Massive, man. Like, uh, we're athletes from all over the world. In some of these sports, the best of the best are on this side of the world. Um, same with European championships. All of Europe, I like in powerlifting, the European championships definitely hold to weight. So I don't, I think on a powerlifting podcast, I don't have to say it means something to be European champion. But some people might not realize, and like, like, because Europe is big in powerlifting. So that I don't have to fight for, but Pan Ams, I think I do. Commonwealth, I probably do as well. But let me tell you, Commonwealth Games, um, you got to think like in terms of Commonwealth countries, you're talking like massive countries like Jamaica, but countries like, like or sorry, uh, like India, like a billion people, Canada, but you have like Jamaica, you have all over in Asia, like Malaysia, like countries you won't think of off the top of your head are part of the Commonwealth as well as of course, Australia and um, obviously UK. And there's like, the sun didn't set on the British empire at one point. So like the, the list of countries in the Commonwealth games is huge. So it is a big deal, especially given, depending on the sport, to win the Commonwealth Championship or the Pan Am Championship. I'm just setting this up because I don't want it to be overlooked in some of the sports that we're naming, just because in powerlifting, those titles aren't big. Because I would say in powerlifting, the big titles are U.S. Raw Nationals, Worlds, Europeans, and then, uh, you know, somewhat breaks off after that, off the top of my head. Just to add to her story real quick before we move on to some other names is like, there's always interesting backstories behind these names and like, you know, how hard they try or how long they try in the other sports. And so the reason they found her for weightlifting is from her CrossFit. So she was doing the CrossFit competition in 2013 and they had a clean and jerk event and someone on weightlifting coach saw her and said, Oh, there's pretty good numbers. You'd be good for weightlifting. So it says that, um, after 18 months of serious weightlifting training, she qualified for Olympics, finishing third at Oceanas. So similar to like, you know, Mark Henry, sure, let me try this out. 18 months later, she gets bronze at Oceanas. She qualifies for the Olympics. Um, she didn't uh, perform as well in the Olympics, which is why she got 14th. And then the other interesting thing is that at the end of 2020, it says she started training for the bobsled team. And she, she wanted to qualify for 2022 Winter Olympics. And it says in her, it's not strength sports, but in her first competition, February, 2021. So, you know, last month she won two races as break woman and a two woman bobsled team. So Dude, she's, multi- a multi- <laughs> yeah. she's a freak athlete is what she is. Um, she, she, she can't fail in life and it's making me upset. And, I mean, uh, what's her, what's her friggin' IQ? It's probably off the charts as well. <laughs> life is tough, huh? Holy moly. <laughs> Some people are like, it's like their world is a simulation. They're like, let me try this up. Well, looks like I'm one, one percenter again. It's like, would you stop it? I, and I, I think that's kind of like 
maybe what you would put towards, you know, the term, like, uh, having athleticism, it's not good. At, it's not like being good at one sport. It's like having both the mental IQ and also like, you know, body coordination and the strength and balance, everything put together that they can throw you in another sport. It may take you a little while to figure out the rules and how things go, but you just naturally figure out the positions you need to be in because across all the sports, you know, the balance and the coordination and everything like that is similar. And so yeah, you put her in CrossFit, you put her in weightlifting, you put her in bobsled, whatever like that. She can figure out after whatever, one or two years, what she needs to do because she, she has athleticism. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, like there, there was some, there was some similarity, but she is special because not like nobody else has done what she's doing. Nobody else is doing whether like there aren't a lot of Bo Jackson's, in terms of multi-sports, there aren't a lot of Deion Sanders, even though like, well, you know, coordination and stuff is the same throw sports. Like, uh, but it like Michael Jordan was an utter failure as a baseball player. Like it, it, you know, and he is one of the greatest athletes of all time. It'll break your heart um, to see, you know, the hype that was behind him and how far he made it considering he's the greatest athlete of all time. It, it really humbles you. The greatest athlete of all time wasn't sniffing the majors. Um, so it is what it, it that actually helps set up our how special our list is when you have people coming to the top of different sports. Um, all right, my friend, uh, did you want to go one more time? Cause I'm about to, you know, I actually have to make another cocktail real quick. You guys want to take a pause for a second? Sure. Nope. Back with another cocktail gentlemen. And it's green again. Um, okay. So on my list as well, I don't think we could talk about multi-sport strength athletes without having Kaz, Bill Kazmar, three-time world's strongest man, but let's back it up before that. We're all on the IPF. He's an IPF world champion from 1979. Enters world's strongest man in 1980. Wins, wins again in 81, wins again in 82. Leaves world's strongest man claiming, I have no competition. There's a little bit of controversy there on why he might have actually left. Arian's not in his head. Maybe you all, uh, we'll get into that. Maybe you want to. And then goes back into the IPF World Championships in 1983 and wins the IPF World Championships once again in 1983. And he is a dominant figure in strength sports already in the early 80s. 1988, he comes back and John Paul Sigmarsson is waiting for him. Now let's back this up a second. Before we get into 1988, while Kaz is enjoying in the early 80s his run as a three-time World Strongest Man winner and a two-time IPF World Champion, there's another gentleman called Jeff Capps. Now, Jeff Capps throughout the 70s was a shot putter. And um, in the shot put, he's a Commonwealth world champion, European champion, fifth in the Olympics, and a three-time Olympian. Throughout the 70s, he had a whole career as a shot putter. And he was already a national hero making national news on talk shows the whole nine. An international champion and an international star in shot put joins the world's strongest man and can't get over on, on Bill Kazmar coming in second in 81. And only when Bill Kazmar leaves in 82, the following year in 1983, Jeff Capps wins the world's strongest man. 
while Bill Kazmar returns to the IPF and wins his IPF title. So now we have Jeff Capps winning a title. That's 1983. 1984, a young man named John Paul Sigmarsson joins this conversation from Iceland. 1984, he upsets Jeff Capps. And when he wins it in the final event, he proclaims, the king is dead. And it's famous. He's got a couple of famous lines. I'll get to that in a second. 1984, okay? 1985, Jeff Capps returns, beats John Paul Sigmarsson, who comes in second. And Jeff Capps once again wins the World's Strongest Man title, winning, now makes it at two to go along with all of his shot putting, which is, I consider, a strength sport. And he's an Olympian. And when he wins in the final event, he says, the king is not dead. <laughs> and when 1984, when John Paul won, Jeff Capps is also famous for saying, and he said it after Arnold, I'll be back. So he gave a warning. All right, I'll be back. And he actually lived up and won the following year. 1986, he comes in second. Um, and in 1980 and 84, he came in third. Uh, so Jeff Caps is a world's strongest man, shot put. He's on my list. He also was the 1981 and 1987 Highland Games world champion. So he's a multi-sport. Not only is he an Olympian, he's won the Highland Games twice over. So just alone in Highland Games, he's a multiple-time world champion. World's strongest man, a multiple-time world champion. On top of that, came in second, came in third multiple times. And then you want to add in three-time Olympian, European champion, Commonwealth champion when it comes to shot put. Jeff Capps enters it. Uh, Bill Kazmar, let's double back to Bill and let's keep on John Paul. So Bill Kazmar had left and he's watching from the sidelines, John Paul and Jeff Capps. Jeff Capps is former rival and John Paul going back and forth trading, talking about the king is dead I'll be back. The king isn't dead. I'm back. And Bill is like, hold the fucking phone. <laughs> None of you guys had beaten me. Okay. The last time I checked, okay, did you beat Jeff Caps? Cool. Cause I beat Jeff Caps too. Okay. And you're referring to Jeff Cap like he's the champ. Like he's the king. You're not the king until you face me. Bill Kazmar returns in 1988 to great fanfare. Three time world's strongest man. John Paul by 1988 had won World's Strongest Man twice, but he had come in second twice as well. And he was a, a key keynote on the scene. Big, heavily hyped showdown. And John Paul Sigmarsson defeats Bill Kazmar, hands him his first defeat at the World's Strongest Man, and nudges ahead of him. And now he's three for three, both of them, in terms of World's Strongest Man title wins. Um, and then after that, John Paul Sigmarsson also wins 1990. Now, we've already covered Bill Kazmar being a multiple-time IPF world champion and Jeff Capps, his career. Let's stick on John Paul Sigmarsson for a second here. In powerlifting, he won a bronze medal in the 1981 IPF world championships, and he's a 1983 European champion. He is also a Highland Games Commonwealth champion in 1986, and he's famous for having said, there is no reason to be alive if you can't do deadlift. 
my man at 32 years old died deadlifting. And the legend is made. So he is world famous in Iceland. He is on my list as a multi-sport strength athlete because of everything I just said. His resume across three different sports speaks for themselves. Bill Kazmar is on my list for everything I just said. I'm going to pose you guys a question here, okay? So I hope you pay, I'll review if I got to, but pay attention to their, their list though. And Jeff Caps is also on my list. Of those three, all rivals. So we have Bill Kazmar, who's two-time IPF world champion, three-time world's strongest man champion. We have John Paul Sigmarson, who is a four-time world's strongest man champion, came in twice second. Bronze medalist at the world championships of powerlifting, European champion, Highland Games Commonwealth champion. And then we got Jeff Caps, two times world's strongest man champion, came in second twice, came in third twice. So he's a perennial medalist, Highland Games world champion twice, and shot put three-time Olympian, Commonwealth champion, and European champion. Now, these are some of the greatest strength athletes of all time. And if you were around in the 80s, you saw them clash several times over like that's it's fucking bonkers you don't always get a muhammad ali that comes around but when ali comes around in an era where there's also a george foreman and there's also a joe frazier a beautiful thing happens and that happened in boxing in the 70s a beautiful thing happened in strength sports and it happened in the 80s and we'd be remiss if we're talking about multi-sport strength athletes if we didn't include the three-headed monster and these three gentlemen they're all on my list. And if they're not on your list, we got to talk. But having said that, who of those three, if any of them, nudged ahead and is the Muhammad Ali? That's a fucking tough one. I know it's a tough one, and I'm sorry I'm dropping it on you. But do we have a Muhammad Ali in here? Or are they all Joe Frazier's George Foreman's? Does any of them nudge ahead on you? I'll, I'll, you know, let me, let me hang on a second here. I'm going to put this if you want to review it in uh, what I was What I was going to say with all of them, it's, it's it in becomes, the chat. It becomes tougher where I put them in my tears for a couple of reasons. So I, I put Bill Kazmar. I couldn't decide between middle tier and top tier. I ended up putting him in middle tier, but not necessarily his own fault. The reason why I put him in middle tier is because yes, he had the world's strongest man three times. He had the title and he also had the IPF powerlifting world championships two times the title. So definitely put him in middle tier. The reason why I didn't put him over the top is, is he didn't have, I think like enough. He didn't have like, you know, Olympic weightlifting. Uh, he didn't go to Olympics. He doesn't have a gold medal there. And also from what I've read, maybe that's what you're hinting to Ryan is he was so good at world's strongest man that they banned him and said, you are not allowed to come back and compete because no one else is going to win if you are there. So he was so good that they didn't let him continue his reign. But also that hurts him because he didn't get the amount of accomplishments as he could. If they had kept around, he might have won in 83, he might have won in 84, he might have won in 85. And then maybe like then he starts turning down when he gets you know later into his 30s. So I put him in middle tier. I, I couldn't put him in the top tier just because he didn't have like, you know, the weightlifting background, Olympics or anything like that. And he didn't have as many accomplishments because they held him back. And for those other guys too, it just depends on what kind of, a value or weight you put on, you know, like Highland games or 
not a strength sport, but John Paul Sigmundson also did bodybuilding and apparently he won like, you know, Icelandic bodybuilding champion. So like how much the weight do you put on those to move them maybe from middle, from bottom tier to middle tier, or maybe you just leave them as, okay, we'll put them bottom tier. They are multi strength sport champions since they have Highland, they have strong man, they might have bodybuilding, but they don't have quite the championships as Kaz does because they don't have the IPF world championships. Um, yeah, they have bronze medal like uh, John Paul. It, it's tough because I'll tell you what, if we're talking about this, here's what makes it tough for me. John Paul didn't do as well in the other strength sports. Obviously, Jeff Caps is a Highland Games world champion, three-time Olympian in shot put. That's fucking nuts. That's a career. But, Listen. But- but also for his, for his shot put, like he got 20th place one time, 6th place one time, and 5th place one time. So Top 5 got, in the world and top yeah. uh, damn near twice, like over three Olympics though. And- yeah, so it, it depends on how you then rate it because, yeah, then his Olympic accomplishments are like, you know, on the level with Mark Henry and uh, Tia Toomey, but not on the level of uh, Wei Ling Chen. So, yeah, it depends on how you weight these Let, let's, I just want to decide between these three gentlemen though. Not against those guys. Because I agree with you. They're not up there with those. Fuck, I think I agree with you on that. I don't even know if I do. But you don't know what the highlight. Maybe we should hear what what Arthur thinks. But one sec. I just want to say before we kick the Arthur. Although Jeff Caps in shot put did phenomenal. Like he was in Highland Games world champion. Three-time Olympian. And we know what. Like that's huge. And then in strongman. Multiple times strongman world champion. And then Kaz, obviously a world champion powerlifting and three-time in world strongest man. Whereas Jean-Paul of these is the only one to not win a world title in another competition, but he won like a Commonwealth champion in the Highland games. Um, And I don't consider bodybuilding a strength sport. So, however, in the one main sport of all of them, which is world strongest man, he won the most being it four times. And actually had, he defeat, of those two, of the, or sorry, of those three, he's the only one who defeated once one of the others. So it's weird because he's the only one of the three you can say, I beat Jeff Caps and I beat Bill and I won World's Strongest Man more than you all. However, the other guys would say yes, but for multi-strength sports, we were the top at another sport and you were a lesser than. Um, that's that's why it's fucking tough for me. <laughs> yeah, so it depends on what question you're actually asking. It's like, which was the better world's strongest man competitor? And the fact that John Paul beat the other two guys is probably the thing that would stand out there. Uh, but who's the best multi-strength sport athlete? Yes. The thing is, I didn't know we were extending this to shot put as well. Ah, so, <laughs> neither did I until I see this person. <laughs> neither did i look at let's let's talk is shot put a strength sport is highland it's, games a strength sport it's a display of strength right 100 your highland games is a, they is a heavy event uh, i would say highland calls. games is pretty close to to strong man shot put you can say maybe it's more like uh speed strength or like dynamic strength I, you know listen i've done highland games i competed in it it's not as close as you might think it's a it's all throwing like guys who are not as strong as you can kick the shit out of you in Highland Games. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but, but does does Highland Games have a lot of variety with strong like like strongman versus you know yes. shot put and powerlifting yeah. or like you know you know the vent going in? Right, that's true. 
That is true. It's still strength. Don't get me wrong. Uh, um, it's just not, it's yeah, it's a tough it, one. And, and my quick decision-making right now, because I didn't look so much into John Paul and Jeff Capes as I thought it was how it was pronounced. It but, might be Capes. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for correcting me. It probably is. I, I, I looked into Bill, Bill Kazmaier. I was deciding between top and middle. I ended up putting him in middle tier with Tia Claire Toomey. On the spot, I'm putting Jeff Capes in middle tier with Kaz, but I'm putting John Paul in bottom tier just because he didn't do as much in powerlifting. So, Ryan, you, you alluded to something that, that, that piqued my interest there. So I was on, under the impression that, like what Arian said, uh, Bill won his third world's strongest man, and he was basically told not to come back because of his utter dominance at the sport. But is there another layer there? Was there a fallout or something? Listen, for sure that's what Bill said, but there are other people saying that it wasn't just that. And um, because obviously we've had people like Jean Paul won four years and came in second two two other years. So in point of fact, it'd be, and still in the eighties. So it'd be like, that's kind of a weird thing to say. I'm not sure if that's you know, like, he won it three years in a row, which is good, but it was like, you know, I, I don't, there are some people who said that there were some disagreements. I, none of it I could substantiate, but if you go online, some people are saying like, there's disagreements and, um, you know, I don't want to get into it, but there definitely is other layers. So I wouldn't put this, I wouldn't assume we know the story. Let's just look at it as he won three and he came back and was defeated by John Paul in a straight up head to head matchup. So, um, and John Paul still got, I mean, powerlifting, he got a bronze at the world championships and 83 in a European title, like a bronze, he medaled at the IPF world championships. And, and on like, so John Paul also is a multi-sport athlete as well as Highland games, Commonwealth champion. So he, is, he did three sports. I mean, if, you, if someone wanted to say John Paul, I mean, he's meddling at the IPF worlds mm. winning world's or world's strongest man more than anyone else of these guys and, or, or coming in second on top of that two more times and Highland games. I mean, Oh Jesus. It's getting tough. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, I don't follow a strong man as much. So I don't know how much truth is to that story. I just, that's what I saw like on Wikipedia and these other things. But if it is, it looks like it comes from an interview with Kaz. Anyone who knows Kaz's personalities, you know, maybe he's been the truth a little bit. Maybe he's got a little bit of ego on him. He's saying, yeah, they, they decided not to invite me and stuff like that. Um, and he had, did, he did beat Jeff Capes those couple of years when he did win. John Paul wasn't in those strong man years. And maybe if he did come back when John Paul first started, maybe John Paul would have beat him. Um, but I was just going off of, of what was listed there. And yeah, John Paul getting a bronze medal at IPF Worlds is obviously a big thing. I, that's why I still put him in the group. I just happened to put him one tier lower just because Kaz did better as far as, you know, he won the title in Strongest Man and in Palfting, where John Paul won the title in Strongest Man, but not in Palfting. Now it depends on whether you consider, you know, one more title and strongman overpowering. And a win over head to, and a head to head. And a head to head win. Yeah. But also that was, you know, when Kaz came back later on, he was in his later thirties and stuff like that. You know, so Kaz is your alley. You picked and, your alley. And, and in that, that same magazine rankings where they had Zadrunas Savickas as the strongest person, Mark Henry second, they had Kaz as number three. Fair. Hey, look at uh, different parts of the world would probably have John Paul. Different parts of the world will have caps. Um, like I in the UK, I know caps is 
fucking look in the seventies when he's a three-time Olympian caps was all before he even entered world's strongest man. He's already a national hero and treasure. And then after world's strongest man in the eighties back and forth with Kazmar and like, forget about it. Um, and then Highland games, whatever world champion. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's a, it's a freaking tough one. I'm not going to pussy out, but I am going to, I'm going to wait to see what Arthur says. <laughs> he might talk me one way. Arthur, what are you saying, buddy? Who is your Muhammad Ali of the bunch and who's the others? Um, I'm not sure. I don't know. Like John Paul <coughs> elevated to legend status because of the unfortunate circumstances around his, his passing. Um, but man, like Bill was ferocious as well. Like, have you ever watched some of the old clips of him? Like, I think it was the was it the first world's strongest man that he won? Uh, there was like a wrestling event, and the the ferocity in that man's eyes was just something else. I mean, I I think like he 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 basically like uh, intimidated the. The guy he was up against, and his name is, is escapes me at the moment. But uh, yeah, Bill was a Bill was a beast. He still is a beast. I mean, I, I've seen him a few times uh, at different events promoting SBD and and that. And like, I don't know what age he is now, but he's still he's a monster. You just look at him, and you just like, you see the like the circumference of his forearms. <laughs> That man is fucking strong. Let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you, I'm gonna buy you a little bit of time here. As you, uh, in the chat, I got the resumes. I'll buy you a little time. Let me tell you a quick story about Bill Kazmar. My second day ever commentating. And here's another little story for you. I started commentating at the IPF World Championships. I had a background in media, but not in commentating. So I was totally in over my head because I was, I talked my way into it, an opening opened up. I threw my hat in the ring when they needed me. And I told them the media I had, and they're like, let's throw the kid in there. And I was on the spot there. And Martin, uh, Flett said, how many competitions have you commentated? And I said, Oh, I haven't commentated any. And he said, no, no, no not worlds. I know that. But how many like back home in Canada, how many nationals? I said, Oh no, I haven't commentated any nationals. He said, okay. But how many local meets did you do a stream for and do the commentary? And I said, Martin, I fast talked my way in here when I seen an opening and they needed someone and the window was open for five minutes and they needed somebody. And I fucking threw my hand up and I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm a quick learner and I'm good on the mic. And he's like, this is live television worldwide, son. We're going to be okay. And, um, it is what it is. I did do like a reality TV show where they put me through hell for media training. So I was confident anyways. Day two, I've never done this before, Arthur. Day two, they're like, we have a co-commentary. You are the lead because you did really good yesterday. Yesterday was my first day ever, bro, ever. And it's the world championships. Day two, so they're like, you did good. I'm not telling anybody else but Martin. I've never done this before. Day two is day two ever, not just day two of these worlds. Like you're going to lead now and not to get into the, too much into details of when you're commentating, when you're the lead and when you're the color. But um, if you're the color commentary, you're just along for the ride. It's a lot easier. You're leading 
and I'm fucking shit in my pants. And I go, who's the color commentary? And they're like, Bill Kazmar. <laughs> Bro, Bill Kazmar is, is the co, and I'm leading him. So anyways, uh, my, it, was, it was one of the craziest moments of my life. And um, that was the first time meeting Bill Kazmar. And I, w- I couldn't fully appreciate it because I was literally dying a thousand deaths of anxiety the whole time. Being like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. And Bill Kazmar is beside me and it's live on the air. And it's all being recorded and it's on YouTube. And if I fuck up, it's there forever. <laughs> and I'm that guy. Oh my We, we got the, the six pack Lapidat autobiography right here in inside this episode. Dog. Uh, but um, it's my Bill Kazmar story. Dude, I met one of these guys. I consider him a close personal friend of mine now, Arian. I don't consider him a close personal friend, but I have seen him since, yeah, he, he works the SPD booth and stuff like that. But another interesting story I saw of the whole John Paul, Bill Kazmaier, you know, rivalry and going back and forth is it says here that that Bill Kazmaier would challenge John Paul in feats of strength because he thought that the events were favored towards John Paul. Like, oh, they're picking stuff that he's good at, not things that I'm good at to try and get him to win. So Kaz challenged him to a sledgehammer hold in 87, and John Paul beat, beat Bill Kazmaier. And then it says after that also in 87, Bill Kazmaier went to Nigeria to do a strength exhibition with Douglas Edmonds, and he broke the Delaforo record there, 414 kilos, 913 pounds with straps. John Paul went... And broke that record, 427.5 kilos, 942 pounds in his gym with a bunch of spectators there and stuff like that. So it was like a whole, like, whatever Bill Kazmaier did, I'll go and beat him. Fuck. <laughs> and, and, yeah, it's unfortunate he passed away at, what was it, 32? 32. Who knows? He might have gotten some more, uh, more titles and more accomplishments if he was around longer. Hmm. Yep. 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 So we bought you some time and we even threw some more facts. I don't know if that even muddied the waters further though. (laughs) What's that? That didn't help. (laughs) That did help. All right. Look at, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I think it's like, can we tie those two individuals? Here's what we're going to, here's what we're going to do, buddy. You tie them and I'm going to pull the trigger on this. Click, click, boom, buddy. I'm going to go with Kaz um, only because I do think in terms of multi-sport, he rose to the top of two strength sports. And um, in terms of the validity of the strength involved, the strength sports, I put more validity over Jeff caps. Who's, I mean, I take in terms of overall athletic ability, if we're not talking strength sports caps is the alley. Cause what he did previously was phenomenal. But if we're just going to focus on strength, I would, I would say the Highland Games World Championship and all the shot put titles aren't going to go over uh, winning an IPF World Championships twice over. And then in head-to-head at World's Strongest Man, Kaz had him beat. Um, so I would put Kaz over Caps. And then obviously with John Paul, in head-to-head, just straight-up strongman, John Paul has it. But in multi-sport, Again, John Paul's best in powerlifting of world championships, while a bronze is phenomenal, isn't a two-time world champion. And then while his Highland Games Commonwealth Championship is is definitely, again, phenomenal, um, it, it just doesn't hold water to an IPF world championship, let alone two of them, um, sandwiching his three titles. So I'm going to have to 
to head it to uh, Bill Kazmar. And um, that's the Muhammad Ali of the bunch in terms of multi-sport. Again, strength sports. Again, if we're just talking about overall sports accomplishments, we're, we're changing it. And Caps really has a really good, like his run in the 70s for shot put, forget about it. We have to, we have to reconsider everything, but we're not. So there it is. Arthur, what do you think, buddy? Did that help you? <laughs> I'll let you Arthur, off. Arthur's just taking that middle road. He's tying them all. But man, this is why we have to drink a little I'm bit. Just, what, what you... I'm talking out of my backside here, right? Because like I'm I'm not I'm not familiar enough with them to to be able to make it. Dog, I know I talk with confidence sometimes, but I talk in confidence and not facts sometimes as well. <laughs> let me tell you something. I do preliminary research and I fucking make decisions. That's what I do. And I, and I, I train hard and I drink hard and, and uh, that helps you but, make decisions as well. But, 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 but I like your reasoning too. It's like head to head is one thing like saying, saying like, you know, John Paul is better than Kaz at strongman is one thing. Or saying John Paul is, is better at Kaz at one event in strongman is one thing, but we're talking about like, you know, multi-sport accomplishments here and when you start going outside of strongman where John Paul may be better in Kaz, you go outside, then Kaz has more accomplishments in other sports than John Paul. So that's why I put Kaz above. So, and Jeff Capes, Jeff Capes, I kind of had to put him even with Kaz because, you know, he has other multi-sport accomplishments too. And then, yeah, it depends on whether you could, you include shot put, then he is an Olympian, which I, I put a high priority or high weight on being in the Olympics. And so I had to put him in there uh, as well with Kaz. Like, there's no question. If we're talking overall athletic ability, not just strength, um, Capes, if that's how you pronounce his name, Capes is like, like throwing is a whole nother deal of explosiveness, coordination, and agility. And then Highland Games is all of the, and he won world championships at uh, Highland Games, multiple and multiple world strongest man, as well as several times over second or third. So he was over a decade, second or third or the best at strongman. And then on top of that, obviously uh, for shot put, three-time Olympian and winning a bunch of international titles in between. So in terms of overall athlete, it's uh, it's got to be capes because the guy, um, you know, it's a, it's a whole nother ball game. And, and you could really argue in terms of terms of athletic ability, powerlifting is not going to be that high. If I'm saying, show me how athletic you are, uh, powerlifting wouldn't be the highest. But if you're going to do a lot of Highland game stuff and throwing it like the, these Olympic sports, it, it's, it's, it's going to start getting tougher as well as on top of that, the world's strongest man title. So capes overall athletic ability, but if we're just sticking to, uh, you know, strength sports, Bill's got him. And um, Capes actually has an autobiography I want to read. Apparently, look, he's this is how famous he was before he got into World's Strongest Man. For anyone listening who doesn't know, my man had an autobiography that was a bestseller just based off of his 1970s shot put run when he's like all over the world, three time Olympian, etc. And it's called Mr. Big Shot. <laughs> so, and that's before he even got into World's Strongest Man and was the World's Strongest Man a couple times. Um, yeah. Anyways, buddy, we're going to let you off the hook here. I can't help but feel, but if you were drinking Irishman, you would have been quick to shoot from the hip and gave us, gave us one. I wish one of them was Irish. It would have helped you out. It would have split the difference for you. But um, who else is on your list? I got more people on my list, but I'll let you go. Cause I just did three in a row. 
Yeah, I have one more in each tier. So I'll just go, I'll just start with the top tier. And it is one of the people that they mentioned in the bar band post. So I went and looked into it and saw, okay, this is actually a really good multi-string sport athlete. I would put them in the top tier and that is Tommy Kono. So they were, he was, he was shown on there for weightlifting and bodybuilding. So, you know, bodybuilding is not really a string sport or you do lift weights, you know, get the bodybuilding, but just going over his weightlifting is he did weightlifting back in the fifties and sixties and he won in four different weight classes. So he won the 67.5 kilos, the 75 kilos, 82.5 kilos and 90 kilos. So that's pretty good that, you know, going into through different weight classes is able to, you know, win all those. And so he won the, the Olympics in 52, 56, 60. He won a bunch of world championships, six consecutive world championships, three time Pan American championships and 26 world records, seven Olympic records. He was the most accomplished U S male weightlifter to date. He was also, like I said, bodybuilder. He won Mr. Universe in 54, 55, 57, and 61. Then he switched over to coaching after that. And anyone who's been around long enough in weightlifting and powerlifting know that that he even had uh, equipment. So he has the Tommy Kono knee sleeve. So anyone who's been around would, would know about the Tommy, Tommy Kono knee sleeve. So for having all those accomplishments, um, other things that he's been awarded is like he won the Amateur Athletic Union AAU uh, award for top American amateur athletes. He won that eight different times. He was, he's in the Hawaii Sports Hall of Fame. He is um, inducted into United States Olympic Hall of Fame. He's in the International Weightlifting Federation Hall of Fame. And in 2005, International Weightlifting Federation named him the lifter of the century. So just the amount of stuff he did in Olympic weightlifting, which I, I weighted that the highest, is that he was able to you know win multiple Olympic golds in different weight classes. And on top of that, having the Mr. T- Universe titles on there, which he did on the side during the fifties and sixties while he was doing weightlifting. I said, okay, I'll put him into that top tier. And, and let me, let me also jump on this. Now I don't put a lot of credibility in terms of bodybuilding as a strength sport, bodybuilding period. Yeah, sure. It takes an amazing amount of dedication the whole night as a strength sport. No. Um, but I, I have crazy respect for Tommy Kono. Tommy Kono, um, I bought his book. He had a book on Olympic weightlifting. And for a little while there, that was considered the Bible of Olympic weightlifting. If you were going to go into weight, Olympic weightlifting and someone's like, what's a good book I could buy? Not only for his book is so comprehensive, not only for technical work, but also he goes into programming and how to peak. He goes into weight cutting. He even goes into, he has a section where he says top 10 stories about weightlifting. And they're like inspirational stories of, um, I mean, it's, it's, he talks about the time he's in Moscow for an invitational. He's, he's done it all. And he also, you were going over his, his athletic career himself, but as a coach, um, a national team coach, I think he's, I mean, uh, the type of, uh, you know, the titles he's won and what he's done for the sport of Olympic weightlifting as an athlete, as a coach. And even though I don't look at bodybuilding as a strength sport, him being a champion bodybuilder as well, looking the part at a time, like in his era, looking the part was huge as a cell to help grow the sport. And what he gave back as a coach and writing the literature he did in the seminars all over the US, he, he was a huge play on this. Like guys like Arnold Schwarzenegger would not were like, 
would Tommy Kono enters the room and they'd be like, that's Tommy Kono. Like, like he was a, not only as a bodybuilding champion, but in terms of Olympic weightlifting and everything he did um, it's, it's difficult to put into words what he was. If you were a gym person, you know, any of the barbell sports. So even though I'm saying I don't consider bodybuilding as an, a strength sport, um, Tommy Como is a, a fucking legend for a million times over. And that book, by the way, is phenomenal. Um, so yeah, Tommy Kono, he's actually on my list. Not, you know, again, I had a, I had a caveat to it, but I thought he deserved mention. And I did see him also on in the bar bend. Yeah. Um, if, yeah, if, if someone says, oh, bodybuilding is a strength sport, I, he can't fall into the category. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to argue with you. I, I agree. But yeah. if you're going to consider that a strength sport, since you do have to train with weights in order to get the bodybuilding physique, and you consider that, then yeah, having the the four Mr. Universes and then having the four Olympics, and then all, like you said, all the things about coaching and him being in all these Hall of Fames, um, other things that says like he appeared in Back then in the fifties, it had something called universal newsreel by universal studios, where they put out newsreels about people and he made it in there. So like, I mean, we weren't around the fifties or sixties. We don't know what, how big that was, but maybe it was no, like, was you huge. know, it might be like, you know, you're on ESPN or something like that. And you're an ESPN, not as NBA, you're on ESPN as a weightlifter. And also it says he's just depicted as part of a mural in York, Pennsylvania, where York you know, the company barbell company, and that's where they held some of the original world championships, stuff like that. He's part of that mural as like, you know, a figure of strength sports and lifting weights. So if you consider that, I, I put them in the top tier. I like to see what Arthur thinks. Does he think bodybuilding is a strength sport? Well, let me just say one thing. Well, it's not, um, yeah. it's, it's, it's just not, that's, that's a silly, that's what I want to hear. Arthur's. <laughs> that's a silly question, but let me just say one thing before we kick it, Arthur, I just want to also add for Tommy Kano is, um, it's important to recognize that world's strongest man was not an organized sport at the time. Neither was powerlifting. So it's not like he didn't in jump into those. He not only, it just wasn't available, but it's very important to say that the Olympic weightlifting committees were actually keeping like records on um, some of the national bodies, not the world bodies were keeping records on squats, bench press, deadlift, and Tommy Kano's contribution to power lifts like squat and all of the weightlifting was huge. He would teach how to squat and show up at gyms and do seminars. And guys like Doug Hepburn from Canada and Paul Anderson from the US, whom I'll talk to talk about in a second, we'll kick it over to Arthur first, but they, they were Olympic weightlifting world champions, but also breaking records in powerlifting before we had an organized sport of powerlifting with world championships, because they were, they were still recording squats officially with judges. They were recording benches officially with judges. And Tommy Kano was in an era before powerlifting, before strongman, but he was those guys who was pushing the weight, just period weight lifting. That's why it's not like today a guy did bodybuilding and Olympic lifting. That's it. He was like at the pinnacle of all of these sports because they were kind of meshed like that. Uh, sorry, Arthur, go ahead. I just wanted to, for some people don't know, different eras, times were different. But what do you think about it? No, no, that's cool. And I, I was trying not to laugh there when Arian was saying, I, I wouldn't classify bodybuilding as a strength sport now. I was like, of course you wouldn't. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Look at, come on. Some people would argue it's not a sport, full stop. Dude, it's a pageant. It is a pageant. I'm not one of those people, but I, 
that is an opinion that exists um, among many. Uh, but to your point about Tommy Kono, you know, it's, it's funny. There's a friend of mine, uh, Connor Heffernan. He's a physical culture historian. And with this fella, you could just, you could just say Tommy Kono and he could go off on one for 20 minutes versus what I'm doing right now, which is sidestepping your question. <laughs> but what I find so cool about that era is kind of what you've just alluded to is that you know the guys weren't it was very commonplace for the guys to be weightlifters and compete in bodybuilding and do all these other things and you know be a powerlifter before it was even really a, a, a sport um which is really cool so i think from that era you would you would have more multi-strength sport athletes in this kind of conversation versus now where uh it's 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 most people just specialize yeah 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 it's the the one the one set mindset and and it's interesting yeah like the whole idea of powerlifting came from odd lifts where like you know weightlifters between events would just do a random lift in between and and that would be an odd lift and they're like hey let's turn this into a sport so like yeah back then it was normal to cross between sports and like do things for fun like screw it i'll go do this highland games or screw it i'll go challenge you know build cast this one lift and stuff and now everyone's like oh i'm gonna stay in my lane and you're going to stay in your lane and we'll just do our accomplishments. And, and I know while this isn't part of the rankings, also it's interesting hearing all the stories, like the backstories to all these, all these competitors and like Tommy Kono, like his family was part of the internment camps in World War II and they brought him over to California. And, and that's part of the reason why he became like a weightlifter and part of the U.S. team or anything like that. It's like, who knows if his story would have been different if there wasn't a World War II, he maybe never would have gotten to weightlifting and never would have been in California. His story would have completely changed. But this one thing changed the whole trajectory of his life. And it even says he had like issues with like asthma and stuff like that in California, in the dry air and stuff like that. And he was still able to, you know, train and become th- this good. And he, I think they said like he didn't get drafted as well because they saw that he was going to be, um, uh, go to the Olympics and everything like that. So it's always hearing interesting here in the backstory of all these, uh, athletes. Yeah, no, listen, you, it can't be, uh... I love that you brought that up because like, I mean, everyone knows if you listen to this podcast, I'm a huge Muhammad Ali fan and um, Tommy Kono, I don't want to say he was the Muhammad Ali of Olympic weightlifting, but in an era when Asian Americans were literally put in concentration camps during the war, Tommy Kono was an Asian American who ended up being a national hero and had was revered nationwide and actually what became a captain of the American team. And then later on the coach of an American team, like, you know, he transcended just sport or strength sport, but also like made people rethink, you know, in a, in a time when you needed to look to like a, a proud example, like, well, there's Tommy Kono. So, you know, rethink how you're thinking. If you're a little behind in the times or you're discriminated, like this is, look, this is the fifties. You know, some people, they, it, it made something to have somebody like him out there on when you said he's on the newsreels. If you went to go see a movie and you saw that little five minute newsreel first 
and it was Tommy Kono, you had to rethink your prejudice. And it, it can't be understated. You know, when he's showing up at universities, giving seminars and talking, he's in, he's on TV, he's in newspapers. It meant something to people who are Asian American suffering from racism right after a war when U.S. was fighting against Japan. And, um, and there's Tommy Kono, a proud American who literally had USA across his chest, flying over to Russia, winning gold medals, and was the captain of the team, coach of the team. It meant something. And, and, and like, you know, it's, it's, uh, he was special, you know, so I'm glad we, uh, we had a little conversation about it. Um, I mean, he, he could literally have his own podcast. And I bought his book, man. It's a fucking phenomenal book if anybody's interested. But yeah, man, Tommy. Kono, um, do you want me to go again? Because we kind of started touching on that era. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I'll go next because the two gentlemen I'm going to talk about are from that era. And um, so I'm going to bring up Doug Hepburn and Paul Anderson. Um, Doug Hepburn's the Canadian. Paul Anderson is the American. Doug came slightly before Paul Anderson. But let me set up Doug Hepburn's story. So in the U.S., John Davis was a phenom in Olympic weightlifting. And when I mean a phenom in Olympic weightlifting, John Davis's first world championships was won in 1938 in Vienna. 1938, he won his first Olympic world championships. He was undefeated in world championships until 1951 when Italy hosted he has two Olympics in between there. Now world war broke that up two Olympics in between there and six world championships. So he's a six time world champion, two time Olympic champion and undefeated at the world championship level from 1938 to 1951, John Davis of the U S an absolute legend in Olympic weightlifting. You have people who were children, when he was the world champion and he was still the world champion when they're full blown adults with kids of their own. Think about that, how dominant he was. Then along came Doug Hepburn. And the reason why Doug was special, he ushered in the large strong men. He was around five, nine ish and he was floating around 300 pounds. He was a huge heavyweight. Now, in 19, let me get my facts right. In 1953, Sweden hosted the World Championships. Doug Hepburn wanted to go to Helsinki Olympic Games in 1952, but Canada was not sending an Olympic team and didn't want to send them. And he's like, how are you not going to send me? I think I can win. And it's very controversial. They were going to give him nothing. 1953, they still weren't going to send him to the world championships. He had to raise money on his own, show up. It was literally like had no cornermen, nobody around him to help him out. And um, I'm going to put his name in the chat if you guys wanted to. So he shows up and the Russians almost adopt him because obviously U.S. Russia are in the middle of uh, amongst all political reasons in the Cold War. But you have John Davis, who was easily the most dominant Olympic weightlifter of all time. And oh my God, this freak Canadian might actually beat him. So the Russians ended up 
embracing John Hepburn and helping him out because he doesn't have any Canadian in his cornerman, pulls off a massive upset and ends up winning the 1953 World Championships in Olympic weightlifting. And at the same time, at a time when bench press wasn't obviously a really big um, event, but they were still recording records for bench press. And this was actually the Olympic weightlifting committees that would actually record your bench press for you. Doug Hepburn is the first man to bench 400, 450, and 500 pounds. And if you take a look at the bench they were using, it's freaking hilarious. I mean, the most rickety, what the hell are we doing? This is not safe bench. And he had he winded up going, I believe, up to like 540 pounds. Forgive me in terms of the kilo conversion. It's around 235 kilo-ish range, I believe, um, Arian. Either way, he was into the five. He's the first man. He's breaking grounds. So for an Olympian in the world, the strongest Olympic weightlifting champion in the world to also be having breaking bench press records. He broke squat records. He broke deadlift records, all of them actual records, not gym lifts, but judges actually judging this in exhibitions. So there wasn't powerlifting competitions, but judges show up and record your lift and say, that's an official lift. And, and it's in the record books. That was what was happening at the time. They called it the odd list, but they were recorded area and briefly touched on it. But in that era, that's what you had. And again, this is what Tommy Kono was all a part of and pushing as well. That's why he was special. So Doug Hepburn is one of my multi-sports athletes and a pioneer when there wasn't even powerlifting. He was almost one of the fathers of powerlifting. And he actually unseated John Davis, who was a freaking God of powerlifting. Enter into the fold, Paul Anderson from America. And America wanted to get one back an old Doug Hepburn, the Canadian who unseated their legend in John Davis. Let me also tell you real quickly, flying to the world championships, the face-off with John Davis, Doug Hepburn had a layover in the U.S. And do you know what the fucking plane was called? What? The John Davis. It was the plane was named after John Davis. That's how legendary John Davis was. And I shit you not. I read, I read Doug Hepburn also has a book, a beautiful autobiography. He ended up being like an alcoholic and he dealt with it his whole life. And like, he has a great story. Um, but he said, I was flying to the world championships to be, to try to best this legend. And if there's ever a bad omen, the freaking plane was called the John Davis. And he was like, God damn it. He's like, it, it's fitting. The guy was champion forever. He deserves it. But he's like, this is tough. Paul Anderson enters the fold. Initially, Doug Hepburn is ahead of him. And actually, is Doug Hepburn is the only man ever to beat Paul Anderson in a weightlifting competition. Uh, Paul Anderson took one L in his life, and it was the Doug Hepburn. However, Paul Anderson ended up breaking away. In the 1955 World Championship, Paul Anderson won. In the 1956 Olympics, Paul Anderson took a gold and ended up going pro as a strongman, doing all types of crazy stuff. Same with Doug Hepburn. Professional wrestling at the time, it was like a traveling show. And these guys were, be, were like professional wrestlers who also did feats of strength. We're talking lifting structures with like 20 people and bleachers. And like, the, it was crazy stuff they did as professional strongman slash uh, pro wrestler. So these guys were professional strongman before strongman was an official sport. These guys were powerlifters before powerlifting was an official sport. These guys are the forefathers. Everything we have now is off the backs of guys like Doug Hepburn, Tommy Kono, and Paul Anderson. That's why it's 
even though they don't have official titles in it, they were the strongest strongman and the strongest powerlifters we had in those lifts. Um, and they have official lifts, but they don't have championship wins because there was no championships. So Paul Anderson, um, take it for what it's worth. He has some records, but some of it was shady. But he was for sure, without a doubt, the strongest man in the world during his prime because he ended up besting Doug Hepburn and Doug Hepburn ended up falling off, becoming an alcoholic. But in the Guinness World Record book, one of at one point, they had Paul Anderson listed as having back lifted 6,270 pounds. That's 2,840 uh, 2, kilo. And they say it is the greatest feat of strength ever by a human being. Now, this is somewhat a contentious point because some people are like, how the hell is that even possible? And again, this is from a different era. So in terms of like, did you weigh everything out? And the Guinness World Records said, yes, we did. Eventually, they actually took it out of the record books because some people protested and pushed hard. He, it almost elevates Paul Anderson in a way. People have said they've seen him squat over a thousand pounds raw with just a belt. But other people say, again, it wasn't official. His, it's almost mythical, this man. Paul Anderson could be on a list of the all-time strongest human beings ever born. Paul Anderson has to be on the list. In terms of genetic ability, period, you almost could load. Literally, people have said they've seen, he's credited with 1,200 pounds, which is a 544-kilo squat raw. But it wasn't to depth. It was a little high. But again, this was an, an exhibition. It had people watching. It was there. People seen it loaded, but it wasn't a powerlifting structured meet where they're going to judge depth like that. And it didn't get recorded as a record because they didn't bring in judges on purpose as a strongman feat. So he's like part myth, part real, but he has Olympic records to his name and Olympic golds to his name. So he's legit. He's not just some guy. But um, in terms of strong human beings, I mean, my God, if you took him in today's era, with today's coaching and everything we know. Um, also credited with a 628 pound bench, 284 kilo, and a deadlift, 820 deadlift, a 371 kilo deadlift. Um, I mean, it's, these are guys, again, different era. So it becomes half mythology, but we also are where we are right now because they did what they did. Them popularizing, look at before Doug Hepburn, bench press was nothing. He's the first guy to bench 500 pounds, et cetera. Now it becomes an event. It's because of guys like these guys. Um, so I'm not sure how much of these fellas you are aware of. I also read Paul Anderson's book. I read a lot of goddamn books. And uh, there's books on all these gentlemen. Anyone listening who wants them. Um, but uh, what do you think, Arthur? Have you heard of Paul Anderson, Doug Hepburn? And in that era, your friend probably has. Yeah, definitely. My, my oldest memory of Paul Anderson is actually not Paul Anderson per se, but it's being prescribed Anderson squats oh, yeah, yeah. And, being, and like genuinely being terrified of them. Like, like knowing that it was on my training program. Um, and this was when I was doing weight training for rugby. So you'd go in with the team. So there's no, there's no escaping them. There's no, uh, hips a little sore today. I might do something else. You're like you, you, you can't fake out of it. You, uh, <laughs> you're at the front up and, those things used to give me nightmares. Uh, so for, for anyone who doesn't know, it's where you set a barbell on the safety pins uh, and you 
squat the weight from the bottom up. So it's, it's a concentric, uh, concentric eccentric movement instead of eccentric concentric, which is what we more, more typically do where you walk the weight out and squat down and back up. Um, and yeah, so obviously then would have, would have looked into him a little bit. And that, that's the thing about him is like, he is clearly a, a phenom, an incredible strength athlete, but there's just this question mark over the legitimacy of some of his lifts. I mean, even if you look at in, look on Wikipedia, uh, like it's in brackets afterwards, according to Anderson himself. <laughs> well, some things, yeah. And these are the numbers. Um, but like, okay, let's say, let's say the 1200 pounds, for instance, let's take that with a massive grain of salt and say that it's off. Like, even if it's off by 10%, it's still otherworldly. It's look at, and it's not, if you're wondering, what does this guy look like? He's around five, nine, he's close to four hundo. Like he was massive man. Like he was built like a, like in terms of when you look at Blaine Sumner, Way Williams, like it's same with Doug Hepburn. They're like that. They're massive men. Extreme. They're built to squat. Um, it's funny when you talk about Anderson squats, by the way. Um, yeah, I, I used to mess around with those Anderson squats too. And if you do, depending on um, where you put the safeties, you could put the safeties higher up. So you got like a foot of just like loaded up for your nervous system to get rattled by some insane weight and lift it up. And you can get like, you can go a lot higher than what your squat is just to have that kind of weight on your back. And you're still moving the weight over a distance. Um, and this is what Anderson, Paul Anderson did is he would set it. So he's like, I want to have over a thousand pounds on my back, not just hold it though. No, are you walking it out? No. I want to shift this weight a foot, maybe next week, a foot and a half, but I'm shifting insane weight. And then after that, I'm squatting 800 pounds, but goddamn, my body's used to shifting a thousand. No, it's not. My body doesn't know what squat depth is. It just knows it's being loaded with certain weights and it's moving certain weights and it's getting stronger. That's what Paul Anderson decided. And um, that's where Anderson squats comes from. And uh, I, I mess with it, man. I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't know the, if anyone ever did science behind it and tested it and on does Anderson squats work? We don't know, man, because nobody's done it. It's very funny you bring that up um, because the man who supervised, or sorry, who, uh, who conducted my PhD examination is a guy called Dr. Caleb Baszler. He, for his own dissertation, that's what he did. He shut up. At, yeah. Partial, partial range of range of motion squats. Amazing. So same thing yeah so basically he had two groups one group does full depth only the other group does uh, matched volume uh, full depth plus partials um and he found that there was a there, there was a greater increase in the group that that had the, the partial squats in there as well um but it was it was funny because he, he tested one rms in both like the full depth and in the partial squatted so i think they squatted to I think it might be like a hundred degrees uh, knee angle or so say, say if you take full extension in zero, you're coming down 80 degrees from there. So yeah, just yeah. half depth. Um, and there was like a hundred kilos in the difference in what they could do. So, like, like hundred kilos. Oh, gotcha. And in terms of the strength, was it like, you know, I mean, I, you know, 
it's freaking ri- once we get into our minds to depth to depth to depth and all of a sudden it becomes like a sin to even talk about putting in your program anything that's not to depth because we get so tied up in it so if someone wants to raise their hand and be like why don't we do some partials where you squat you're literally squatting high to pins to see what it's like if that makes you stronger and because of social media pressures and what becomes almost like a stigma for whatever reason, but the thing is your body doesn't give a fuck about social media or stigmas or what is cool to say or whatever. Your body's just like, it adapts, right? Um, so whatever the stimulus is. So if you tax it with a certain amount of weight over a certain distance at a certain speed and your body has to create that force to move 800 pounds and you can only squat 600 even if it's at a shorter distance, your body's still moving 800 pounds. So then it had to use that kind of force. So then this is what Anderson, look, at. this isn't just six pack lab. And I tell you this, this is what Paul Anderson and, and people from his era were doing. And the guy was the strongest man in the world at one point. Um, so whatever, take it with a grain of salt, man. I didn't do these studies, but apparently people are doing studies and they said it worked. Um, yeah. yeah. So look at his contribution still lives. Quick side note, since Arthur brought it up and I didn't know, do you know where now Dr. Kayla Baszler went to school before he got his PhD? Uh, I don't know where he went to school, but I know he's currently at East Tennessee State University. He's currently East Tennessee State University. Before that, he went to Florida State University. I got started in powerlifting with him. Is that right? Me, Dr. Caleb Baszler, and Dr. Mike Zordos. We kind of all met each other at Florida State University. We all kind of got into powerlifting together. I don't know if he still has his long flowing hair or not. He didn't when he examined me. That was <laughs> but that, that, that's just an interesting connection. But um, I'm, I mean, I have to agree with you guys when it comes to both Doug, Doug Hepburn and Paul Anderson. It's like, it was so long ago. Things aren't documented. Now everything is on Instagram. Like people weren't filming things. There's all this questionable stuff about them. And like you said, Ryan, that there weren't some organizations back then. There wasn't the ability to compete at some world championships and everything like that. So I had trouble finding where to fit them in. Um, but but like you said, they had some incredible feats where you know Doug Hepburn won the weightlifting world championships in '53, and as you said, he was the you know the in the bench press. It says. November 1950, first to bench press 400 pounds. 1951, first person to bench press 450 pounds. And December 1953, first person to bench 500 pounds. So even though there may not have been like, you know, IPF and a world championship or anything like that, at least in the, official. Bench, yeah. in, in the bench press, you know, he was the top guy. And in, in strongman, I mean, it may have been like, you know, different style of bench press. He's quoted for a 580 pound bench press in, inside a strongman. And just like all... All the other interesting things, like you had mentioned, it says here on Wikipedia that when he was preparing for the 1954 British Empire Games. That's the Commonwealth Games. It turned yeah. into be anyone listening. In his hometown of Vancouver, it says the whole city got behind him and he was given $150 a week while training in the gym of the then mayor. So I don't know how much $150 a week back then, but it's kind of like, you know, they funded him to like win for them and he trained at the gym of the mayor of Vancouver. And they're like, yo, just, just, Go win the championship for us. Dog, it so, was, uh, sorry, I read his autobiography and um, there was like the, the prince or someone came to, Van- it was like, it was a massive deal. Um, again, the Commonwealth Championship at the time called the British Empire Games, it was 
freaking huge and there's far less sports at the time so the olympics and these championships are a lot bigger you got to keep this in mind in the 50s there's far less options on tv so this stuff is on tv far less like sports that are popularized and like the the royal family comes and like people from all all over the world come and vancouver's hosting he's not only from canada he's from vancouver and his home city is hosting this international event so the mayor is like we will give you money. We will, you have to win because if everyone loses, but we have the heavyweight champion of the world. So you are the reigning world champion and you win this in the hometown. It's massive. They threw a parade for him. Um, yeah, it's huge. And again, in terms of what he did, the lifts he did for bench, this wasn't in terms of the controversy. There are pictures of him doing the like first to do 500. There's a crowd of people around him. If you look at pictures of Doug Hepburn from the 50s, there's like a hundred people got like it was an event and they had like officials and like I say officials, they're Olympic weightlifting officials who are like just fucking unrack and touch your chest with it, I guess. Like they're making up the rules, but it's the reason why it's important. We don't get here where we are if we didn't go through that. And guys like him who could fill up a gym, like fill up like a, an auditorium with people watching him bench press because he's the world champion in Olympics or whatever. Um, it's huge. You know, it, it was, is a really big deal. And the first guy to bench 500 and popularized the bench press. Like he was the first guy to bench 400. It's the same guy who benched 500. The first, like he was, he took bench from in the three hundreds, which, and just carried it right into the fives, you know, and, and was pushing for six, but he never got it. So, I mean, yeah, he was a big deal. He was a really big deal on like powerlifting. We owe him, you know, and strength sports in general. So uh, yeah, had to yeah, throw it out yeah. there. It's interesting. Some of the, the backstory to it says that he was uh, born with a club foot and he was cross-eyed mm-hmm. and he started lifting in high school at the YMCA and he didn't get drafted for World War II because of his club foot. And so because of that, I ended up transitioning to him focusing so much on lifting and becoming the strongest man in the world. You know, Canadian Olympic Hall of Fame, uh, Canada Sports Hall of Fame, British Columbia Sports Hall of Fame and the fifties publicly known as the world's strongest man. So, and He's anyone who, and as far as programming, people can go look at the Hepburn method, which is like, you know, online for free. It's like traditional linear periodization, which is like, you know, what they did a lot in the fifties, sixties, seventies, like that was the style of train based off of Doug, Doug Hepburn and some other people. And then also Paul Anderson, I didn't know where to put him in. I ended up putting him in my middle tier because yeah, it's questionable. Some of the things he did and he's done multiple sports. So again, you know, U.S. weightlifting champion, 55, 56, world champion and 55, Olympic Games and 56. And then all the other stuff outside of weightlifting is like, you know, where it gets a little bit more questionable at the backlift, the Guinness Book of World Records and all that kind of stuff like that. Um, and he's quoted again for squat. It depends, you know, some of them say 1200 pound squat. Some people say best authenticated squat was 930 pounds, which is a- insane which yeah. is insane in 1965 in Maryland. And then, uh, he's apparently did a 560 pound push press, which is ridiculous. 435 pound military press. And then they have quotes like, you know, Bill's Bill Kazmaier saying that he was like the king of strength. Um, Don Ryhoot saying he was an inspiration, stuff like that. So yeah. I, I, I couldn't put him in the top because part of it was just like, it wasn't his fault that the generation he was in, there wasn't as many options for him. And then part of it was just like, it was questionable. Cause again, for his generation, things weren't as documented as well. But like you guys said, the Anderson squats, which is like, you know, the pin squat also, I believe for Delos, what he did was like, you know, 
he would dig a hole in his, in his backyard in the ground and he would step in the hole. And so he was doing kind of like a block pull for Delaf. Yeah. And then each week, whatever, he'd fill in the hole and bring, basically bring it up and keep the weight the same. So if you're doing 500 pounds, you're doing a 500 pound block pull and then going down until you can do 500 pounds off, off the uh, floor, which is like your regular Delaf. So possibly him and some other people are the ones who came up with, or people came up with ideas based on this of like, you know, pin squats, board presses, pin presses, deficit deadlifts, block pulls, all these ideas came from these guys who were like, they didn't have the equipment. They were just like, well, let me just dig a hole in the ground or, Hey, let me just do like, I want to feel a thousand pounds. Let me set up the pins where I want it. And then slowly adjust the weight into where I can do it in the full range of motion. And of course, with strongman and stuff like that, you're doing all different kinds of range of motions and stuff like that too. So they may have gotten some ideas from strongman of the different implements they use. So it, I, I put him in, in that middle tier just cause I couldn't put him in the top because you know, he didn't have quite as much accomplishments as some of those other people. Yeah. 100%. Um, what you said about their training methods and what they contributed is freaking huge. And, and Paul Anderson, um, in terms of squat, he was squatting like 410 to 20 kilo, you know, deep into the 900s at depth. Like what he could do in the squat was absolutely like, we know for a fact that, uh, because we've seen it, there's video pictures, whatever. And there's like, like eyewitnesses and events in terms of when we start getting crazy and start talking about, you know, 1,200 pounds squat or whatever. Now we're talking maybe not to depth, but there's no question. He is like these dudes. If you check up Doug Hepburn and Paul Anderson, the best of the best of the people who know strength and strength sports will be like, they're as legit as they come in terms of like, they're some of the strongest men of all time. No question about it. And um, we aren't going to be where we are today because before these guys, they're sure as shit. Wasn't I mean, nobody had bench pressed 400 pounds yet. Like that's crazy to think about until Doug came around. and was like, we got to move this. And he took it from in the three hundreds to over 500. That's what he did with the bench press. His contribution is, you know, and he's pushing for six, but he didn't make it. Like, it's crazy to, to talk like that. Like, like what he did after the bench press, he's like, take it and go, you know, and now it becomes an event. So when powerlifting gets formed not long after his time, and we're thinking about events, how much did he contribute to people being like, you know, we could add bench press a lot, man, a lot, you know, he's, he was famous. These guys were world famous. Um, so anyways, and- and the, the story I wanted to add in for Paul Anderson that I threw in a story for Doug Hepburn is that back then in, in the 50s was like, you know, the, the Cold War. So in 55, he won the USA National Championship. So he traveled to the Soviet Union for the World Championship. And the Russian guy, Alexei, did tied the Olympic record or set the Olympic record, record 150 kilo press, 330 pounds. And Paul Anderson comes and does 182.5 kilos, 402 pounds. The Russians were like, didn't think it was going to happen. And he just goes and just blows it out of the water. And at that championship uh, in the 90, uh, actually it was uh, 90, 1956, sorry, with the uh, Olympic games where he had a fever. It says he has 104 degrees Fahrenheit, 40, 40 Celsius fever. And he ended up tying the person and beating him on body weight to win the gold medal. So a couple of crazy stories there of just like him coming out of nowhere at the time of the cold war and being like the representative U S and just going and, and, and being these Russians and these other, these other lifters from these other countries. And let me also say, uh, you know, cause I read his book a long time ago, but when you're telling him, tell me about it, or it's bringing me back. Um, 
I remember Dog Hepper and him, or sorry, Paul Anderson himself saying how hilarious it was because he is huge. Like he's 5'9", like pushing 400. And he said, nobody would have thought I was ever going to win any title on body weight. He goes, that's how sick I was. He's like, you want to talk about the body weight I lost? He's like, no one would ever have thought you'll win on body weight. He's like, he did just enough. Doug Hepburn's story is phenomenal too. I think when they were in Vancouver for the British Empire Games, which later on became named the Commonwealth Games, he was severely injured. And um, he had to do, at the time, the rules where he had to do a qualifier. Um, and he's like, but I'm the Canadian national champion. He goes, yeah, but for the calm at the time, the rules were a little different where even though you're a national champion, you had to do qualifying lifts at some qualifier. And he's like, bro, I completely like my, his hamstring was fucked. And he's like, how much do I have to lift to qualify? And they gave him the number and I forget what it was now, but it was ridiculous. And he's like, you know, I'm going to muscle this from the ground to overhead because I can't bend my leg. And they're like, again, the Vancouver, like everyone's like, bro, we need you to do this. And he, he's like, I'm he like, drink, drink some whiskey and the pain is going to be incredible, but you guys are going to see something phenomenal today here, people. And he like muscle snatch. Like it was ridiculous what he was doing. And it wasn't like his top best, but the fact that he had like a blown hammy and just straight legged from the ground, bent over, like he's tying a shoe over to head. Like these dudes were like super tough from a different era of like, we just got to get it done. Um, so yeah, if you ever get a hold of the, if you, if you read and you want to read about like, there's no books about powerlifters, we have legends. They're not straight up powerlifters, but we have legends and strength sports that when you read them, you're like, holy shit. And not, look at some of it is a little, little unauthentic. Some of it is 100%. It's proven. Doug Hepburn had to do this. It's proven. Oh, here's another story real quick that came to mind when you were talking and wanted to say it. Um, when Doug Hepburn was going to the world championships, and he's going to face John Davis, who had not lost in decades. Um, his friends at the gym, Doug Hepburn left to go to the washroom. He came back and uh, he, he did a clean and he popped the weight on the ground. He's like, fuck, I'm feeling good today. That was heavy as shit. And he's like, I'm not sure what's going to happen in world championships. And all those friends were like looking at him like, holy smokes. And he thought, they're looking at me because I, that was slow and it was, and that looked heavy and it did. And he's like, I just lost faith in my team. And they're all looking at him like, Holy fuck. And he's thinking, Oh my God, they're not stop staring at me. That was bad. And now it's really in his head. He goes and he sits down and he's like, I'm going to get the shit kicked out of me by John Davis at the world championships. And I had all this money raised by all these people, privately sponsors who believed in me because nobody else, the Canadian team wasn't giving me money. And one of those guys who was looking at him like that, sat down beside him and said, when you went to the washroom, we loaded the world record onto the bar. <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> you're going to do fine. And he was like, Oh, thank God. He was like, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, sweet Jesus. And he goes, you know, that could have ended up really bad. If I totally injured myself, he's like, please never do that again, but fine. Thank you. Let's leave it there. But uh, that's a good Doug Hepburn story. <laughs> Anyways, uh, do you have more? Or should we go on to the Irish? I just want to say real, if you don't, if you, okay, you go first. So you have more, I was going to belt two more people off real quick we're not going to spend a lot of time on it then we'll go on to some irish theme uh, I'll, I'll belt i'll belt one off real quick I, I wasn't sure if this would be considered or not 
And it's like, it, I guess it's a little bit questionable, but I put them in my, my bottom tier when I was first figuring out names is that supposedly Marius Pujanowski, before he became multi-time strongman champion, his father was a weightlifter and he was a multi-time bench press champion in Poland. Then he did, you know, the multiple strongman championships. And then now not a strength sport, but he does do MMA now. So it's like, I, I don't know if you consider him based on if supposedly has these bench press national championships, then he has the uh, strongman championships if you would consider him in there, obviously in strongman, he was really good. And it's interesting him transitioning over to MMA. I just didn't know if whether he'd be worthy. Arthur, how are you doing for time there? Love? I know it's like one o'clock in Ireland. God bless. And you're not drinking. So it's tougher to stay up. I mean, depending on what I say, how long more do you want to go? <laughs> we don't got to go a lot longer, buddy. We don't got to go a lot longer. Let me just say, we're going to do a little bit of Irish because it's St. Patty's day. And then, um, and then we'll all shake hands. Uh, but let me also just say real quick before we transition into the St. Paddy's Day part and talk a little, a little bit about Ireland. Um, our boy Arnold Schwarzenegger, again, he came from that era. Doug Hepburn, Paul Anderson, where everybody does everything. He actually did Olympic weightlifting, and I believe he won a junior national title when he's still in Austria. And then when he went to, by the time he went to Germany, he did powerlifting and won a uh, German powerlifting championship. This is documented and you could pull newspaper articles about it. So he was in the national championships. This is before it was organized like a governing body to a world body. But um, again, he was doing bodybuilding, powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting. He's from the Tommy Kano era, John, um, John Davis and, you know, Paul Anderson, Doug Hepburn, where you do everything. And um, so he's, I, I, and I love on I, another book I've read is both of his autobiographies, phenomenal Arnold Schwarzenegger and his friend, Frank Colombo, also um, uh, Mr. Olympia as well, and was a European powerlifting champion and phenomenal and did world's strongest man. Um, so anyways, one to throw out there, but uh, let's move on to some, uh, a little bit of Ireland. Let's talk some, um, because it is St. Patty's Day, for God's sake. Uh, <laughs> we've done a little bit of... Dude, how long have we been talking right now? Getting close to three hours. At the... Holy shit! Next year, St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Dude, we've been talking. Listen, people can listen to this and drink on St. Patty's Day the whole time. Doggy! Just... Doggy! I was saying, the thing is, the problem is my man Arthur's not drinking. And we are drinking, so it makes it easier for us to rock and roll. And whoever's listening might be having cocktails on St. Patty's Day with this in the background. Um, but first off, how does St. Patty's Day start, Arthur? Do you know? Who is St. Who is St. Patrick? Uh, well, like I said you, earlier on, my... Give my us the Wikipedia my version. is so crude, but yeah, basically, this teenager from Wales, Patrick, he gets captured and he's he's made into a slave in Ireland uh, while he's imprisoned he rediscovers Christianity you know for himself and then he gets out returns to Wales and then vows to return to Ireland which he does and he brings Christianity to Ireland um, there's also the story as well that he banished all the snakes from Ireland and 
as I was saying, we could do with a bit of that right now because there's some. <laughs> you know, I wonder, like that. You know how they say, like, um, when you talk about tales, and they're like they use. They're saying like sometimes we take things too literally, and he it might have been metaphorically speaking, you know, or he's, you know, what I'm like. Honestly, yeah. that's what they when they're like when you read old scriptures of any religion or any kind of old writing, and you're like that's so stupid. That would never happen. It's like, you're taking it too literal though. All right, my friend, these are writers. And what do you think maybe this might mean? But um, everyone, yeah, I've heard that as well, where you banish the snakes or whatever. I don't know what it necessarily means. I don't want to get overly political here, but uh, it is St. Patty's Day and you got to say what it is. And let's talk a little bit. um, Let's touch up on some strength athletes and then some general athletes of, of coming, hailing from Ireland. Mm. Well, yeah, the, the thing that I would find most interesting is, so, I mean, within Ireland, we know who's, you know, who are the, the great athletes, but outside of Ireland, who are recognized? Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of putting that question towards you guys. So who do you recognize as the, the great, let's, let's even start with just great uh, athletes of all sports, and we won't necessarily focus on powerlifters immediately. Fair. Let's well, start yeah. with powerlifting, then go, then broaden out. Well, I'm gonna let my. I know my main Aryan came prepared, and this is why. You know what? I don't. I don't show up with a, to a fist fight without my big brother. Um, so Aryan, help me out here, dog. It, I mean, if we're st- we're focusing first on Irish powerlifting and like outside of Ireland, who are the big names? The first two names that came to my mind, and like, hey, look into more where for men was uh, Barry Piggott and for women was Bro McPeak because I've seen them at the world championships and Barry in Canada in 2018 broke the bench press world record 226.5 in the 105 kilo class. Since then, he also went down to the 93s and bench 222.5. And then now it looks like he's moving back up. So he was basically on open powerlifting, the top male and also one of the first ones that came to my mind for that world record. And on the women's side is, is Bro, who's also bounced around with different weight classes. So 2016 world, she got 12th in the 63s. 2018 world, she got 6th in the, the 72s. And most recently, 2019 world, she got 8th in the 57s. So she's been bouncing around different weight classes. Most recently, she squatted 176.5 at 65 kilos, which is pretty damn impressive for be ready for that new 69 kilo weight class. If she wants to go to that one or go down to 63s. And again, on open power thing, she was the top female. So those were the, the two that came to mind, but interesting enough, number three men on IPF GL points is Arthur Lynch. Who? The humble, the I humble was... Arthur Lynch. You didn't want to throw his own name out there. Is, is there another Arthur Lynch? Um, Funnily enough, there is. If you Google Arthur Lynch, there's an American football player who comes up. <laughs> well, there, there's also someone else I'd like to throw into the mix. Um, and when I limit it to the, the latest iteration of the IPF generation, um, is actually Karen Barry. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she would hold a very special place in many people in the Irish Powerlifting Federation's uh, hearts. Well, uh, besides the fact she's a wonderful human being, but also 
she was the first athlete of this most recent generation to step uh, to stand on the top step of a, an IPF podium um, for for a total. So that was incredible for us because you know it was the first time hearing the Irish national anthem and all that sort of thing. Um, and her backstory is incredible as well. Like she she took up lifting in her forties. Holy uh, shit! Yeah, and then then went on to uh, a pretty meteoric rise, you know, um, having had no real sporting background prior to that whatsoever. Like she was a couch potato, a self-professed couch potato. I'm not just <laughs> those are her words, not mine. For many years, um, before taking up powerlifting, uh, they they even they made a a local media company made a a movie about her actually it was really cool holy smokes man yeah yeah it's called lift um I, i'm just checking out also um janine boyd who won the european championships as a europe is a international champion as well from ireland yeah janine the machine uh now, now janine martin correct uh no it, or is that uh, different janine all the way around i think she was Janine Martin, and now she's Janine. Okay, uh, on on Open IPF is still listed as uh, Janine Martin. She's the second top female on points, so maybe they'll update that eventually. Um, like like I mentioned, I'll quickly go through Arthur's stats and see like switch to the uh, names real quick. Is Arthur uh, ninth in twenty sixteen Worlds in the ninety three kilo class, twenty seventeen Worlds ninety three kilo class eleventh place, and twenty eighteenth Worlds in the ninety three kilo class seventh place. And that, that's like, th those are names I thought of, of the like current generation going back to like the older generation. We had mentioned some of the names were like, you know, Gerald McNamara, where multi-time IPF world champion for obviously single ply went to the world games, won world games. Another one that I looked up was Maurice O'Connor who got first place in masters world equipped in 2001 in Moose Jaw, Canada. So the old generation had a couple of, you know, world champions and, and top level lifters. And obviously there was like, you know, a little bit of a, a lower point for Irish PF. And now you kind of see maybe now on the classic side, Irish PF coming back up and you're getting these lifters that are, you know, getting top 10. And like Arthur said, uh, getting on a podium and hearing that national anthem. Yeah. It doesn't happen too often for us. So it's, it's particularly special. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure the U S are sick of hearing their national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> no, buddy. They're Go never on. sick of hearing that national anthem. <laughs> Come on. Hand over heart with a tear in their eye. Um, for sure. Um, any off the top of your head too, in terms of, uh, powerlifting or just strength athletes in general, or we want, you want to move into some overall sports. The, the, my only concern with this is, the more you mention, the more you risk, run the risk of yeah, someone that's right. that's not right. getting mentioned and then saying, you bet your ass. Oh, we were friends. Yeah. You know what? All right. Listen, it's like past one o'clock in the morning for you. So yeah, maybe we should let you off the hook and not make you go through a roll call of Ireland's top 10 current. Yeah. And it's not about, this isn't, look at, this isn't a preview for the Irish nationals. That's not what we're just, this is more of a loosey goosey St. Paddy's day, not necessarily um, just like a, what's the current Irish powerlifting scene 
um, podcast anyways. So it's okay. Let's get into um, some, some famous Irish athletes regardless, and uh, maybe even just famous, straight up famous Irish people. Um, well, what do we got? Irene, do you got a list there? I know we had a list. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll throw out the, the first name first because Arthur says like, Oh, outside of Ireland, who are some popular Irish athletes? First one, obviously came to my mind, which, you know, too, Ryan is Conor McGregor. Cause you know, we, we both watch UFC. So we're all, obviously both watched Conor as he was coming up and, you know, then taking out the, the champ, getting the belt then becoming a two-time champ, going to box and everything like that. We're now pretty much like anywhere you go in the world, people at least are going to know Conor McGregor. They may not know everyone he beat or all his accomplishments stuff, but they know who he is. So that's the very first one that came to my mind. And uh, the second one that comes to my mind, sir, is Katie Taylor, the Olympic uh, boxer. And then obviously she ended up turning pro, but as an amateur, she wants, she's a world champion, 2006, 2008, 2010, 2012, 2014. That's if you're counting five world championships in boxing. Oh, and by the way, in 2012 in London also won the Olympic games. And then in 2016 took a bronze. So absolutely domination in terms of Olympic boxing. Um, turn pro, and funny you should mention Conor McGregor, who probably is the, no, not probably, is undoubtedly the biggest, most prolific MMA fighter we've ever had. If you look at the all-time gates, if you look at the all-time pay-per-views, um, it's Conor McGregor. He is the featherweight champion. He is the lightweight champion. Um I mean, and he's bested some goats like Jose Aldo in a mere 14 seconds. And it's Conor McGregor. Here's a quick clip I'm going to share with you. Conor McGregor and uh, Katie Taylor backstage after she won a pro title and Conor's waiting for her in the locker room and had some words of advice for her. And I don't want Arthur to get all emotional on us here, okay? But <laughs> hand, hand over heart like when American hears the American record, he's going to watch this. You're an Irish hero and I got you back. And um, apparently he, uh, he had talked about, you know, I mean, if you need some sponsorship funding, whatever the hell it is, you're never going to go, go wanting or needing. I got you. Um, so tell us, Arthur, is she, how was Conor McGregor viewed? How was Katie Taylor viewed? Um, I talked to some people and I mean, Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor is a controversial figure, but Katie Taylor is not. And um, how big is she in Ireland? She's she is huge. Uh, my favorite personal Katie Taylor story is from back in 2012 at the the London Olympics. So this this there was a huge build up to this, but it didn't really drive it home to me until the uh, until the event itself. And at the time, I was working in a commercial gym, and as in when the fight was on. And so, you know, you know, the way commercial gyms are, you get every sort of Joe soap in there uh, and there's TV screens mounted around the gym, which wouldn't be typical of most. Yeah. 
facilities, but but a commercial gym uh, that that was that was the lie of the land, if you like. And so the the fight was on. And not joking you, for the ten or fifteen minutes, the that fight took place. Uh, no, no one was on a treadmill. No one was there. Not a weight was lifted. Everyone was glued to those TV screens. It was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Just because, because to really drive it home, as I say, in a commercial gym, you have so many different characters and so many people that are in there for different reasons, but they were all united in this interest in Katie Taylor at the London Olympics. It was just, uh, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Um, and, and then talking about McGregor, <laughs> funny anecdote for you to bring it back to powerlifting. I might've mentioned this to you before Ryan, but uh, I brought Brett Gibbs over here a few years ago and uh <laughs> like usually when we we bring a guy over for a seminar we like to because ireland isn't that big you can show them a lot of it in a few days so i said to him beforehand is, is there anything you'd like to to see while you're over here he just responded lol conor mcgregor <laughs> <laughs> you're like well, well that's a big ask that's a big ask well brett loves uh ufc but um Talking about Katie Taylor, uh, when you talk about it like that, it's true. Like for people who say sports don't matter, you haven't lived through a big sports moment then. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, Americans are almost spoiled in the fact that there are so many world champions and so many sports, you know, so like in one city in New York, how many sports idols do they have? So you almost are raw in a way you are almost robbed of what it feels like to have somebody rise up when you're used to not having. And when a Katie Taylor comes and you're like, it doesn't matter if you're the mailman, you're the CEO, you're the chef, you're what it, the personal trainer at the gym, the world stops as far as Ireland's concerned and pays attention to her gold medal match. And, um, there's something about it that is, is pure. I felt it in my lifetime very, very few times. Like if you want to exaggerate, you could say, but for us, it happened once uh, with Donovan Bailey in the nineties when he became the world's fastest man in Canada. I'm not joking. Stopped. Like you stopped what you were doing. It would be, it was it, like nobody was doing anything else but watching. And the viewership is through the roof insane. When you see the numbers, you're like, but that means 80% of a nation would have been watching. And it's like, yeah, wrap that around your head. So the numbers overall, I get it. Like 80% of Ireland would not equal New York City as a whole. So it, it wouldn't make a dent in the US. But when you actually put in perspective, when everybody you know, everybody you come into contact, everybody in your country is on the same page that we're behind you. It's a concentration that to think what Katie Taylor must have felt like climbing in the ring and literally is fist fighting somebody. Like it's, it's a, of all the sports, she's fist fighting for a gold medal, knowing what this means to everybody back home. It's fucking something special, man. And, and the fact that one punch ends it, it's sudden death overtime every time. Like it's not, we're going to add points. One punch could end her 
And it's like, so you're at the edge of your seat. And every single punch thrown could be the end for or against. It's something special, man. And um, that's why when Kayla Taylor keeps walking in there and wins repeatedly over and over and does what she does. So when someone like Conor McGregor, who I don't know if you guys paid attention, isn't the most humble lad, says you, you know, I think that's fair to say, says to her, you are a national hero. You are Ireland's hero. And he's saying that to her, anything you need. You know, he humbles himself to go congratulate her. And she's like, holy shit, you're Conor McGregor as well. With all due respect to Katie Taylor, people might not get it. And that's why, yeah, man, it's freaking huge. Um, I also want to ask you, how do people in Ireland feel about how Conor McGregor carries himself in press conferences, like how he's all cocky, brash, and Katie Taylor's not the same? What is, how do you guys usually like your sporting idols? Um, I don't think I can speak for the rest of the population. I don't, I don't. That's really so know. Irish of you. Cause I, cause Arian would have. Okay. That's American. That's goddamn American. I would say among the, among the average onlooker, Katie Taylor is held in very high esteem and McGregor, not so much. And particularly in more recent years, I think that, that there's been more incidents of, of his behavior kind of. Uh, yeah, that's it. different. That's a little different. I just mean like, yeah, like that, that fuck, no one's going to back some of the things he did. Oh, well, I mean, like it has given us some incredible sound bites over the years and, and the memes. Like I've put a few of them into the No Lift uh, podcast from like, <laughs> earlier episodes, you know, that who the fuck is that guy yeah, dude i love it dude okay listen 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 when when somebody's when uh when someone's talking shit like a reporter says you know what i got hold on that's it keep talking i gotta find it i'm not gonna do it justice it, nobody else it, is is proper 12 whiskey big over there i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i'm asking the wrong person you really are with all of the questions tonight you're asking the wrong person yeah. Well, do you know you hear that Conor McGregor actually sold his shares uh for that for I believe it was like um 130 million dollars or something like that. Like he's he just made he made like a hundred million fighting Mayweather. He just made another hundred and thirty to forty million with his liquor uh selling it off. So hats off to him. I'm gonna share this right now. Let's enjoy this moment. It's St. Patty's Day. Not bad. MMA.us and Caged Insider. Connor, take a look around you. You got a lot of champions, a lot of grizzled vets. Who do you think would give you the hardest fight out of anybody on stage? Right here. Right here, the hardest hitting 145 pound, the real hardest hitting 145 er right here. This guy TKOs people. When I knock people out, they don't fucking move. They're not, who the fuck is that guy? Who the fuck is that? No damn well who I am. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most monumental dismissal of all off the cuff he, who the fuck is that guy <laughs> who the fuck is that it was it was literally he this guy tried to butt in and throw his hat in the ring like this is my this is my opportunity to get a fight with Conor McGregor and become rich and famous. And Conor just slams the door in his face like I don't think so, kid. I mean, it was beautiful, man. Conor McGregor destroyed guys at press conferences. 
but uh, yeah, I, I would say Conor, Conor, McGregor, Conor McGregor is high up on my list in terms of uh, Irish athletes and um, definitely uh, Katie Taylor. And in terms of all round famous people, one of my favorite, a couple of my favorite actors, Liam Neeson is an Irishman. And so is Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, I mean, when when it comes to, you know, athletes, the first person I thought of was Conor McGregor. From there, it goes into sports that aren't as big in the U.S. So, like, you know, soccer and rugby aren't as big here. So, like, you know, Americans like me are not going to know, whereas maybe in European countries and stuff like that, they'll know other Irish athletes. So then, yeah, then we say, okay, let's see what other Irish celebrities are out there. Yeah. And, and those are the couple ones, a couple of other ones. I didn't know one was uh Cillian Murphy who did uh, the dark Knight and did inception and Peaky blinders. What? I didn't, He's I didn't Irish? Know, yeah. I didn't know by name, but then I, I saw the face and then I looked it up. Uh, Pierce Brosnan apparently is, is uh, Irish for some of these people. For some of these people, it depends on whether they're born there or Irish American Colin Farrell. Uh, we had mentioned and then another one where, oh yeah, Colin Farrell, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Bono. Another one where, though that Bono. Arthur's gonna Arthur's got to tell the story now is Barack Obama. Tell us about his Irish descent. Yeah, fuck. God. So I don't know if it was like right before he became president or shortly afterwards, but someone discovered that he had ancestry in a small village in County Offaly in the middle of Ireland called Money Gall. Well, they took that and they ran with it. And then they, they set up the Obama Plaza in Moneygall. And it's, oh, my God. It's like if you come off a motorway and you, you stop off in this basically plaza to get your fuel and your your McDonald's or Supermax, as it's called there, and it's whatever other restaurants are there. Um, I've stopped yeah. off. He'd be I've proud. Used it many, many times on my way to and from Dublin. So, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, they needed that for all it was worth. People are like, "This is a sneaky way for Ireland to try to take over the world." Is uh, Obama's Irish now? <laughs> we got a president. We got a president in play. They didn't check his background, and now we're going to take over the world. I, I, yeah. Well, he's a good claim, buddy. If you're going to claim somebody. And um, is there anybody else off the top of that? Look at, I mean, in terms of actors and athletes, man, some those are some of the biggest uh, for myself that I off of my list. This is one of these lists, man. We're not trying to make this comprehensive for anybody listening. Obviously, we are, we are drinking and uh, and just throw it together, what have you. Yeah, just to, it just goes like how much Irish descent, and then also like whether we know the names. But we uh, Rory McIlroy, the golfer. I was is, shocked uh, on that one, man. <laughs> Because he apparently changed his accent to be more American. Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde, the poet, yeah. Michael Fassbender from uh, X-Men. It, it said he was like German-Irish. So, yeah, it depends on whether you want him. Yeah, but yeah, X-Men and Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Well, Arthur was not in his head. They're going to claim him. But they also claimed Obama. <laughs> <laughs> So take it with a grain of salt. I didn't know Pierce Brosnan, though, if I'm honest. Uh, I did know Liam Neeson, and I did know um, Daniel Day-Lewis, who might be the greatest actor of all time. He's definitely up there, gentlemen. Does that pretty much wrap this up, or do we have? Are we? Are we a miss of something, and then we're going to get in trouble afterwards? Unless you want to mention some of the uh, the athletes. 
Like the, what the athletes key? you got off the top of your melon you want to drop, man? I'm, like I'm not the, big up on it. Help like me out. The, like the Keens. You want to mention them, Arthur? Yeah, oh, this is directed to me. Well, yeah, I mean, and this is why it's very interesting for me to hear you guys off the top of your head who are notable Irish sports people. So we've got two. Oh, geez, man. Oh, no. Look at I'm going to cheat right now. Well, I'm very familiar with Henry Lee Shefflin. Um, <laughs> Henry Shefflin, uh, George Best uh, did it best, if you ask me. Uh, Paul McCarth. I'm a big fan of his. And, <laughs> and uh, if you like billiards, as I do, Alex Higgins. I was always a fan of his, uh, of Alex Higgins, Roy, Roy Keane as a football guy and Robbie Keane um, yeah. come to mind. Now I, I like a little bit of rugby myself. So Paul O'Connell um, is a friend, is a friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I own, that's when you know i'm at a, at a few cocktails and i'm bullshitting liam brady uh football star in boxing we got bobby uh mcquigan i remember did i say the last name right yes Bar barry mcquigan barry mcquigan yeah. i remember him on the cover of ring magazine um i remember there was my grandpa had back issues from like back in the day because he was from the 80s and I remember seeing him on the cover and there was like a four leaf clover on there and whatever typical stereotypical Irish stuff. And, um, and it's saying like, is, is he the next world champion? And I'm pretty sure he did end up winning a world title at some point in the eighties, as well as Steve Collins. I was a little older for that. That's in the nineties. And he won the super middleweight championship of the world. And um, I do remember Steve Collins from Ireland uh, best in guys like Chris Eubank and uh, Nigel Ben. And um, he at one point was a big deal in boxing in the mid eighties. Um, but uh, yeah, Stefan Roche, Pat Spillane. I mean, the, uh, the list goes on and on, man. I'm well-versed in Irish culture and uh, history. For, for you, the machine for, for you guys, Arthur, would Roy King be number one behind Connor, of course. Uh, it, it would, again, it would very much depend on, what probably what part of Ireland you ask that question? So if you ask, ask someone from Cork, there's a high likelihood they'll say yes. Uh, if you ask from someone from Dublin or someone who's not a Man United uh, supporter, probably not. Um, so yeah, he was he was a phenomenal player, but I mean, there's there's others that would argue someone like Liam Brady or John Giles was a was a superior player. Robbie Keane is our all time top goal scorer, so. You know, there's that, and you know they're they're different positions, so you're you're comparing apples and oranges. But uh, but that's uh, <laughs> the thing is, is that since Robbie retired in 2016, I think it was we can't score a goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so it's depressing to watch. The whole um, team retired. We've got about eight games without scoring a goal at the moment. So what's the best um, in terms of soccer slash football? What's the best that Ireland's made a run in? What years? Like, how far did they get? In Europeans soccer, or worlds? Yeah, in soccer, our best achievement was a quarterfinal in 1990. And you, you were talking earlier on about the power of sport. Like, that was huge at the time. Like, there's, really? there's still documentaries being done on that now. You know, Holy that are, shit, are that? On, on that. And 
don't forget, we only got to a quarterfinal. It's not like we won the thing. Um, yeah, but people don't realize how big soccer or wherever you are in the world could be football. They yeah. don't realize how important it is. Quarterfinal is huge for a sport that global. Incidentally, have either of you seen the, this is completely off topic, but have either of you seen the Maradona documentary? No, no sir. Oh, go, go look that up. It is well worth the watch. Now, <laughs> you have to actually sit and watch it because it's all subtitled. <laughs> uh, Shit. You can't just listen to it in the background, but... My God, like when, when he went to Napoli, kind of like what you were saying earlier on about when an area gets a, a sports star, like that club had never won anything. Baradona goes there and within a short space of time, they win the Italian league and the scenes in there, it's absolute carnage because the city goes absolutely berserk with the celebrations. They celebrated for three months afterwards. Oh and God, one clip, man. there's one clip in the documentary where they where they show there's a there's graffiti outside of a, a cemetery or a, a graveyard um and it says you guys don't know what you missed <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable that's fucking that's brilliant but offside at the same time you guys don't know what you missed that is amazing oh my god man for three months you're celebrating it's like look at you're not celebrating you're an alcoholic go back to work (laughs) you know it's like no you're not celebrating this anymore but yeah it's crazy man it's crazy how people can rally behind and this was in italy i guess i because i'm not familiar with the story uh similar time around around 1990 i think well i mean you think about the uh the iceland um, I think it was either World Cup or Euro Cup, where Iceland, which is a nation of like 300,000 people, made a push to the quarterfinals, I believe. And um, it was ridiculous. Like you, We have cities that are like more than just, we have like 300,000 people is nothing. And they're going against the greatest in the world. And they made a push to like quarterfinals or somewhere around there. It was insane. Um you know, what was happening at Iceland. And then at the same time, having like the world's strongest man and the world's fittest woman, who's a CrossFit games champion. It's like, what the hell's going on in Iceland with there's only 300,000 people. And in sports, you guys are like a global power, <laughs> you know, like this doesn't make sense. Statistically speaking, this shouldn't happen. Um, talking, you want to talk strength sports. They, they've had world's strongest men several times. It's like this statistically, the world is 7 billion people. How does a nation of 300,000 have multiple world champions in strongman? That just doesn't make over, over generations. doesn't make sense, man. Right. And that, that's, that's often an excuse that we throw out as Irish people. It's like, well, we're, we're a small nation. You know, it's only a population of whatever, 8 million. But yeah, compared to that, it's huge. <laughs> well, you still got some people, man. I mean, you got the list we gave. When you look at the actors and stuff like that, like it'll it'll shock people. And um, obviously, like, you know, people like Conor McGregor and Katie, Katie Taylor and whatnot. Like you got some stars. As, as Roy Keane would would probably say, yeah, yeah, we done all right. We're doing, <laughs> doing all right, fellas. Maybe we end it there. Um, thank you, Arthur, for coming on to the the podcast for St. Patty's Day. I know we're getting into the wee hours of the morning for you, but. Me and Arian are just getting this party started. 
um we got a three-month bender actually we're gonna celebrate this like <laughs> this is actually kicking off the first day of a three-month bender um it's gonna get interesting so uh, it's all downhill from here everybody but uh much appreciated arthur um keep in touch my friend the door is always open and oh pleasure, if you're doing right? coaching how do people get a hold of you oh yeah uh Follow me on Instagram. It's probably the easiest one. Uh, just type in at no lift podcast. There it is, man. For your podcast, for your uh, coaching and all, and all the rest of it. Thank you, my friend. Happy St. Patty's day. Cheers guys. Happy St. Patty's Bay area. See you. Right. See ya.